Welcome to the Truckers Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Finks. We're back, man. Episode 160. Yep. And this is the three-year anniversary oh, of this podcast. Keith is bumping into shit right now. <laughs> This is this is a crazy situation, man. This is the three year anniversary of a Trucker's Mind podcast. That's wild. A uh, one hundred and sixty weeks of content. Mm-hmm. Every week you have heard these voices on the microphone. Every week for three fucking years, not one week missed. Yeah. If you want to know how to get somewhere, this is what you got to do. And me and Keith still haven't reached where we want to be. Oh yeah, not not even close. Not even close. But mm-hmm. this is the type of work ethic that it takes, folks. Mm-hmm. So, to all the content creators out there, I wish you the best of luck. I hope you fucking pop. I hope your podcast goes great. I hope everything you're doing goes great. But if you're not doing this level of work, don't expect anything. Yeah. Okay. Don't tell me how hard you work and you keep not putting out content. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this is a great day for us, man. Yeah, for sure. You know, no champagne bottles here, but you know, just just imagine me with a bottle of champagne and mm-hmm. I'm I'm pouring it on Keith's hair, <laughs> like we won a championship, like we won the NBA championship, <laughs> <laughs> like when Michael Jordan was shaking the bottle and shooting Scottie Pippen in his fucking face. <laughs> Scottie was like, "Oh, come on, Michael! Oh, Michael! Oh, man!" <laughs> That nigga Scotty, if Scotty Pimpin wasn't an all-star basketball player, he would be doing like movie blockbuster trailers or something. Yeah, he'd be like, this movie was not very good. <laughs> <laughs> if Scotty Pimpin wasn't a basketball player, he would be Gonzo from Sesame Street. <laughs> that nigga would be Optimus Prime. Oh man. He- like Michael Jordan didn't pass me the ball. Scotty Pippen's voice sounds like that car alarm. Step away from the car. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. All right, crazy. But uh, yeah, it's 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 been a dope journey. I think um, a a word that hit me today, and obviously it's not it's not nothing that I hadn't seen before, but I think it just hit me different when I was listening to it. Was uh, was about discipline, and I think um, I had a real shift in the way I. I've been moving, um, from probably like the middle of 2020 till now. And, um, as far as my business, as far as the podcast, as far as, um, just, you know, just creating content and, uh, just content in general or art in general. Um, I've just been trying to be more consistent, more diligent, um, just planning out things a little bit more. Like I have my to do, to do list up there on the board. Um, and I don't get to all the things I got that a guy was speaking about it. Um, he was cr- talking about creating a to-do list. Damn, and you ain't like, got nothing crossed off right now. <clears throat> well, it's, it's Sunday. Oh, fuck. That's yeah. for the beginning of the week. This nigga trying to play me, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Keith ain't shit. <laughs> got a to-do list. With that. Ain't to-doing nothing. <laughs> got a to-do list. Ain't this shit. <laughs> nah, but yeah, I, I mean, just, just simple stuff like that. Um, 
um, has allowed me to just make uh, incremental progress and, you know, small, small um, levels of progress goes a long way. There was, I think I was, I seen like an Instagram video or TikTok or something like that. And he was, I think he was talking about just being a musician and, and practicing just a little bit every day. And, you know, you, you put in 30 minutes every day practicing whatever and, you know, stretch that across a year, stretch that across two years, stretch right. that across three years, how much more, um, skilled you'll be at whatever, whatever it is you want to do. So right. I think, um, that's, that's kind of how I think about stuff. And I think that just doing this podcast has opened my eyes and open, open my mind to, you know, what could we accomplish as people? What could I accomplish myself right. if we put the same amount of dedication in, um, to everything we do? So that's a, that's what, um, I think the podcast has done for me. So hundred percent what the podcast <clears throat> has done for me is it's allowed me to reach so deeply into my brain to really like, um, I won't say psychoanalyze, but really look at the world through a different lens mm -hmm. and and speak about things as objectively as possible. Because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of times in my life that I've been closed minded. And now that I'm actually speaking to people on this platform, you can't you can't like come off like that. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to see other people's stances and yours. And regardless of how you feel, a lot of times it's important to see the validity in another person's stance yeah. instead of just shitting on it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's allowed me to be a lot more objective um, mm -hmm. and see and, and, and actually do some research and look into other people's situations. So it's yeah. helped me out with that. It's helped me out with a whole number of things, especially how to be a better communicator. Because mm -hmm. once you talk this much and we have thousands of hours, man, like. We've got, I don't even know how many, we probably got close to 20,000 hours now. Yeah, it's, probably yeah, so. Yeah, so if you're close to 20,000 hours of conversation, mm -hmm. you, you know, we've made it to, we're probably black belts in talking now. <laughs> yeah. I'm the Bruce Lee of podcasts now. <laughs> this is fucking nuts. <laughs> don't fuck with me, you guys. I will back kick you right in the mouth, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i agree i think i think uh just um it's, it's something that you you don't really put much thought into as far as like talking but right. you can be a better communicator and i think even if you notice some of our earlier podcasts um we've become better at just talking holding conversations uh, more right. nuanced you know speaking about things a little bit uh, longer and, and stuff like that so yeah Definitely, man. Hopefully three more years and you know, oh, just yeah. keep it going. Oh, yeah. You're going to hear this podcast all over the country. This is if you caught this early, then that's great. You know, you can share it with your friends, but this shit's going to take off when it takes off. You can remember the days when me and Keith were in this office downtown next to mm -hmm. the police station and mental illness and <laughs> all this shit, shit going down over here. And then you'll be you'll be like, man, those guys made it, man. Yeah. And you'll be alone. It, a win for us will be a win for you. So that's yeah. that's dope. Yeah. But uh and by the way, we appreciate each and every single one of you that listen every week. Mm -hmm. Even the casual listener that doesn't listen for four weeks and then you binge you binge listen to like nine episodes straight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I wonder who the I don't know if there's any way of actually knowing it, but I wonder who the first person to listen was. Yeah. I have no idea. Damn, that'd be crazy. Mm -hmm. That'd be dope too. That'd be dope. Like that, Especially if they still listen. Oh yeah. My thing is 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 like me, I feel like and this is completely off the off the wall conversation here, but I feel like someday, like I've mentioned, I'm going to be very wealthy one day, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like 
I would want to be wealthy just to give people things, just to give back to people. Mm-hmm. And I want to find people that have listened, have been <clears throat> listening to the podcast for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I just get your cash app here. Here's a thousand dollars. Take you and your husband out for dinner. Yeah. Boom. Here's a thousand dollars. You know, here's this and that just to show a, just a token of appreciation for, you know, being along the journey and, and, you know, appreciating what we do. Yeah. You know, means a lot, man. Mm -hmm. Like it's one thing to have a podcast and it's another thing to be a podcaster. Yeah. It's a lost art, man. A lot of people get on here just kicking shit and not really giving a fuck about what they're talking about. When you care about it and you really want to be heard all over America, there's a certain way you um, you put out your content. But I don't want to talk. I could talk to him blue in the face. No, so, I, I, that's a good. I, I don't want to you know dismiss that point. I think that's mm-hmm. a good um, conversation because we we and we as a, a podcast and me myself, I put together content not as like this local Bakersfield act. You know what I there mean? There you go. Whenever I'm shooting a short film, I don't imagine, you know, oh, just, you know, my friends on Facebook are going to see this when and even with the podcast, I present it and we, um, you know, we communicate about subject matter that we think will reach the masses. Right. So I think you you thinking too small if you're a person that's there you go. sitting around thinking like, yo, I'm, ain't nobody going to see this. So I could put I could kind of half I could half do it. Right. No, it's like you want to you want to pre- present you want to create from. Um, a place where you're not necessarily comp- competing with people you see with, you know, hundreds, hundreds and thousands of followers or, you know, a million subscribers on YouTube or whatever. But you just want it to your, whatever you're doing um, from a, an original standpoint, you want it to be on that same level. Right. Whether it's the audio quality, the subject matter, how dense the conversations are, you know, how authentic, uh, how authentic you are as a, a, a podcaster and stuff like that. And that's the kind of stuff that's right. Um, when people dig back, because that's what they always going to do that, you know, and right. like, guys like Russ say it all the time. He like, yo, people digging back to my songs that I released three years ago and no songs mm-hmm. is going platinum now just because I released a new song and people right. caught, caught wind. And that that's their favorite song that I released, the song that I released three years ago. So the same thing with podcasting. So if you're a person that tries to level up with um, your listeners or whatever, you already losing. Because when yeah. people double back and they start to dig deep into your content and they're like, oh, this this song is hot or this this podcast is dope. But the ones that they released a long time ago, I can't I could barely listen to those. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know what else is dope, too? I think that along the journey, people um, you can't fake it on podcasts. And if you if you are faking it or being disingenuous, the people listening can catch it really quickly. Not facts. Oh, yeah, they definitely can. Like, we're talking about long-form conversation. You can't be full of shit for fucking two hours, right? People yeah. are going to have an idea of who you are. So I think the people who've been listening to us have developed some form of a relationship with mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. You know, they know about Keith and, you know, his laugh and shit. And they, they know about me and some of the wild stuff I say. Like, I listen to Keith when he's talking about right now, like, you don't want to be known as this local Bakersfield act. You want to be known everywhere, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to be giving out local Bakersfield dick you want to give <laughs> international <laughs> dick international worldwide dick is what you should be giving out okay so, insert blue chew ad here yeah right blue chew <laughs> that would be a perfect ad for this podcast sometimes i feel like doing ads just out of just for, for no reason you're like this podcast this podcast has been sponsored by little debbie because without little debbie you can't be big dave <laughs> That'd be lit if we get like the the I guess like second tier 
uh, ads, but they st- we can just make them so creative and funny. People right. actually start buying them again. I wouldn't give a fuck if we got generic ads. Yeah. Like if we had Shasta soda. I'm t- I'm telling you, I got some in the fridge. You yeah, if we had Shasta. Like, hey, this podcast has been sponsored by Shasta. <laughs> Do you want to spend only a quarter on five sodas? <laughs> Do you want six pack and a di- and diabetes for only fifty cents plus CRV? <laughs> Your great great grandpa spent a nickel on a soda. You can do the same with Shasta. <laughs> <laughs> you can have your gallbladder removed just like your grandfather. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, that was crazy. <laughs> we never, we never gonna get a, a Shasta sponsorship. <laughs> the the CEO of Shasta is probably laughing his ass off. There is nothing we could do to fucking defame Shasta. We could say Shasta is the devil, and the sales will go up. Yeah, we seen. I seen some Shasta this past week. Uh, yeah, this past week at a at a little function. So they still out there selling. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Shasta. They got those new flavors that we seen on the uh, on the yeah. Instagram. I want to, I I want to low key taste those. I know they got some weird flavors. Well, I don't say weird, but they they have these like uh, these uh, so like this small select flavors that look pretty dope. You know, I don't I don't know exactly what chemicals they use, but it must be some special chemicals in those sodas. <laughs> I re- I really want to. Um well, obviously, I have to do it for my own businesses first, but I really want to take a stab at like trying to um, bring in like a new energy to like a, a brand that's been around for a while. Kind of like, you right. know, um, when Steph Curry, um, when he signed with Under Armour and it was just like a whole new energy around Under Armour. <clears throat> right. I want to do something like that. Um, like with FUBU or some shit? Yeah, I think that Fubu. would be. FUBU! Stop. Take it to the max! <laughs> FUBU! Take it to the max! <laughs> oh, man. Ain't nothing you can do for FUBU now, man. That shit's, yeah, that shit's outdated. Yeah, man. yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Let's let's get into the topics. All right. Um, it, Obviously, within the last few days, uh, we lost a legend in DMX. Mm-hmm. Um, the last podcast we talked about, he was already in a vegetated state. So we knew that the time was, you know, was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he left behind 15 kids. Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. It's crazy. DMX is busting hella nuts. So shout and out DMX to DMX was using blue chew. Yeah. DMX is in he, yeah, he, he definitely left a legacy behind for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, he was <clears throat> definitely by far one of the greatest MCs ever. Um, I feel like yeah. D- not to cut you off. I mm-hmm. feel like DMX is um, low key underrated. Yeah, because I, I feel like what a lot of people don't understand about um, making music is that um, there are certain things that you can't that are not a skill. It's just it's just in you. It's just in you, right? And DMX's tone is elite. Yeah, like DMX can say whatever. Like you know, I walk through the door and just his tone. And you know that that raspiness in his voice, like right. it's go, it's gonna sound amazing. So um, that I think that's his greatest gift to you know 
to his music. The, the way DMX, DMX, the way like his cadence and when she spoke was yeah. like you couldn't even figure it out. Yeah, like I went to the store later on, and I, you know, I see that the people came. Yeah. I'm like, yo, like that's really how he is. And then, and then on top of that, he was a great storyteller, right? And you know, he was he had a certain honesty in his music, right? And you know, that leads to him being one of the biggest rappers ever. He had the best prayers I've ever heard. Too. He was an elite prayer too. He was an elite yeah, prayer. Facts. And it, and the prayers always seem very genuine. <laughs> yeah. And and man, people. Here's the thing. There are some people you can never feel bad for. I can never feel bad for DMX or like Kobe because they've accomplished so much in this life that they can never die. Mm-hmm. They Their energy will live on earth forever. So don't you dare feel bad for DMX. Don't you dare feel bad for Kobe. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because that energy they left behind and they've accomplished so much in their field mm-hmm. that the person you should really feel sorry for is the person that never accomplish anything in their life and they're gonna die and everyone's gonna forget about you dang that's the motherfucker you should feel sad for not dmx not kobe Mm -hmm. okay they they took that literally it's like have you ever taken like a towel that was full of water and you wring it out Mm -hmm. and you can this water keeps coming out and when you get to a certain level and you wring it out there's hardly no water left yeah, that's DM- DMX. DMX and, that's DMX and Kobe. They fucking wring that towel out so much that there wasn't a drip of water left in it. Yeah. So when a person leaves that type of legacy behind, don't you dare feel bad for them. Yeah. You know, true. they've done a hell of a fucking job with their life, man. And we're all going to die. I think the thing that really makes us, oh, my God, I feel so bad for blah, blah, blah. Look, we're all going to die. But there's there are more people on this earth that act like they're gonna live forever. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, I think um, you know I, we I said on the podcast that I lost two uncles in like in a, in the same month actually in uh, in March, and it changed my perspective on death. You know what I mean? And right. it also allowed me to understand that we have to live for the dead in a sense. You know what I yes. mean? Because a lot of these. <clears throat> A lot of these, like for DMX, you know what I mean? Maybe he was in a, a at a concert or something and he he prayed for, you know, the people in the audience and that just that one prayer changed their life and, yeah. you know, and, you know, got them off of drugs or propelled them to do, right. to go to co- whatever the case may be to change their life around. And that's what we have to live for. You know what I mean? And you, uh, even Russ talks about like, if you, if you don't own your masters and Nipsey died in vain and these kind of like, these kind of gems that, you know, these people leave behind and Kobe Bryant um he see guys like Kyrie Irving wearing his jersey and stuff and you know just different people out in the world right. uh using his moves and wearing his shoes and um just he's still like you said before they're still living through 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 these people but I think the, the thing that the reason uh people at least for me I think the reason why uh people fear death the most is because they're not living up to their potential so they yeah. feel like if they pass away, um, you know, at the at the current moment or whatever, they haven't accomplished or they're not even striving to do the things that they uh, that they that they actually think about at 100%. night when they when they're sitting alone. So I think that's that's primarily uh, the reason why I think people fear death. But I think for me, just seeing my two uncles pass, and you know, also dealing with Kobe and, and Nip, and kind of just you know seeing those 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 people pass. 
it changed my perspective on death to right. where it's not I'm, it's not a it's not a fear anymore it's like at this point it is what it is right but what happens is every day that i'm here i'm gonna keep striving towards something like oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sitting on my hands no more i'm gonna put you know as much effort i can uh, as i can into you know content and creating and and developing things and you know just getting these ideas out of my head um, while I'm here, because you know we don't know we don't know when the clock stops ticking. Yeah, people say you're not promised tomorrow, and that's false. You're not <clears> promised. <throat> you're not promised the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. That's how death works, yeah. and it's crazy, man. And mm-hmm. what's what's I don't know, man. What's what's weird too a lot about a lot of people is the reason why they fear death. Also, is because I mean, shit, you're not gonna leave anything behind. I, I think with me, I'm not where exactly where I want to be in my life. But if I was to go. I got 160 episodes of a podcast that I was passionate about that will live after me. So if I'm gone, everybody will know, hey, that guy was fucking going for it. Eddie Mm -hmm. actually cared about where he was going in his Mm -hmm. life. We could see, you know, his growth from episode one all the way to 160, you know. Mm -hmm. So I take pride in those things. And also, when you die, you leave a paper trail behind. Mm-hmm. So when you die, there's going to be a bunch of people at your funeral, coaches, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, people from all type of different cultures and races and people. There was something that happened at, uh, you know, at uh, Keith's uncle's funeral that we went to. There mm-hmm. was people of all different races and ethnicities that went up and said, man, Jamel was my brother. Mm-hmm. Like I love like I really loved him, man. He really cared about me mm-hmm. like he did things for me. And these stories were not only great, but they made you think like, yo, this is a man who left something behind. Yeah. Like the people like you want to be able to leave behind a legacy so undeniable that the children's children talk about you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was only three years old when, you know, when, when, when Jamel passed away, you know, but he was really funny. He was nice. He was always good to my mom and dad. He was, you will Mm -hmm. leave an impact on people so deep that it will impact the other person's life. That's what you want to do. Don't be the person that's too cool to tell people that you love them. Don't be the person that's too, you know, um, you're too good to talk to certain people. You should, man, DMX, man, was such a grounded person. Uh, Swiss Beats was talking about it was a time where DMX had $30 million in his bank account. He just released this audio. This was like the other day. Mm-hmm. DMX had a $30 million in his account and he would sit down with homeless people, pray with them and give them the clothes off his fucking back. Mm-hmm. DMX never cared about money. Um, freaking Swiss Beats said that DMX never had a Rolls Royce or none of those other cars. He never cared. He said he was writing a rap album in an abandoned building while he had $30 million in his account. God dang. This is the type of dude we're talking about here. Yeah. A lot of you people, you you act too bougie. You're like, oh, I can't eat at this restaurant. I can't do this or that. And you basic as fuck. Mm-hmm. And you act too good for certain people or certain things when in actuality, you're not. When a, when a man could like amass this great success and be so humble that he can sit down with homeless, pray with them, talk to them, and 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 actually leave that type of legacy behind. Like, yo, what are you doing? Because with that, love is love is more of a currency than real physical money is. Facts. You know the love that you know DMX <coughs> is showing these homeless people, and there's probably thousands and thousands of people that can attest yeah. to him actually 
you're making a real impact on their lives. Exactly. It's somebody that was battling addiction just the same way, you know, and they heard I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't, can't get, get up. up. And they yeah. heard that and that song just resonated with them like on a so yeah. such a deep level that it changed their life. So that's the type of stuff that people can take with them when they go on that that money it does it doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. I, like I was I said before, like I've made more money this to 2020 and the top of this year than I ever have, you know, in my life. And I don't feel any better than anybody else. You know what I mean? I still got the same car. I still got these dirty chucks on. Um, The motherfucker's dirty too. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, whatever homeless person you stole them chucks from, you need to give them back. Is somebody is some homeless person in Bakersfield walking around with no shoes because of the goddamn key? What are you saying, Keith? Nah, that was it. <laughs> nah, but on, on a serious note, man. Um, yeah, this guy left behind one hell of a legacy, man. It, yeah, it's, for sure. it's, it's very motivating. By the way, too, Swiss Beats also stated that DMX was a legit humanitarian that never wanted to be seen when he was giving people stuff. Mm-hmm. He never wanted people to know that he was helping people out. Mm-hmm. And he said that he would pray for someone before he even prayed for himself. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, damn, man. And you start to find this shit out. Like Prince was another one. They talked about how Prince was a humanitarian. Prince used to make up tour dates on purpose so he could help people out in those cities so cities that had people in need whether it was in new orleans during uh when they had uh, uh hurricane katrina or mm-hmm. whatever it was mm-hmm. he would go and tour in these places on purpose just so he could get out to the people help them out help families out and then go to the next city yeah and it was people that was telling on him saying that's what he was doing yo it's so many of y'all, and I'm not trying to be fucked up, but it's so many of y'all that will give a homeless person a sandwich, and you gotta put it up on Instagram every fucking time you do it. Mm-hmm. When you give to somebody, bro, that's for you. That's between you and God, man. Yeah. I don't want to get all biblical, <clears throat> but when I'm giving, I'm only giving from the heart because it's on my heart. Yeah, I don't need to take a picture of the homeless person or somebody in need. You know. Or with that, you shouldn't even feel obligated if it's not, if it doesn't come from that place. 100%. Because I've seen you sometimes be like, no, nah, I ain't got it. And me too, I'd be like, yeah. no, nah, I ain't got it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know what's fucked up? They'd be like, you got some change. I'm going to keep it real, man. It was one time I felt hella bad, bro. <laughs> this dude asked me for change, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, man, I'm sorry, I ain't got no change. Yeah. And it's back when I had my Lincoln, right? Yeah. And that console was, it was a pretty big console in the middle. And it had a flap on it. And I drove off after telling this dude that I had no chains, and I heard the chains like sloshing in in mm-hmm. the fucking in the in the middle console, like yeah. <laughs> it was probably super loud. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the worst part: there was so much fucking change, dude. There was so much fucking change that was inside of the console that it was starting to shake the bolts loose that held yeah. the console. So I took all the chains out, and it was like sixty dollars in change. Nah, yeah, bro. God damn. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, bro. I was like, maybe I should have went back and dropped some some money on that guy. That's funny, bro. Yeah, but I think you guys get the, g- the gist of what's going on. Hold on. Yeah. Drop my damn phone. But that, yeah, you know, to kind of close it out, I think the thing that I took away from just all these people passing away, man, we have to live for those people that, you know, was, I guess, less fortunate and, and passed on right. because 
um, a lot of those people, you know, they have a they they have a a, a belief in you. And then also a lot of these people had, you know, taught us, taught us things while they were here that, you know, I, I think even for me, like I tell people certain things and I'm like, yo, I, I just hope and pray that this person takes my advice because this will make them such, you know, a better person or this will get them further in their career. So um, I take that same advice, you know, I, I, uh, I practice what I preach. So, you know, all those, you know, those things that Nip and Kobe and DMX and all these people said are just the type of more so DMX as an example of, you know, the type of love he gave and the, the gratitude and the humility that he had. Like, that's the type of stuff that I'm carrying with me. Oh, yeah. DMX is one mm-hmm. of one, man. DMX. Yeah. And he's just the, it's just a certain energy you get from people when they pass. Like you realize like this dude is solidified. It's only one Kobe. It's only one DMX. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's only one of one <clears throat> of these dudes and they left it all out in yeah. what they love. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and, and like, I guess another topic that goes with this one is Demi Lovato responded like, or she talked about, uh, how she had survival's guilt, survivor's guilt after DMX died. Mm-hmm. She stated, um, uh, Demi will, hold on, what does it say? Jolted, okay. Uh, Demi will be on TMZ Live Wednesday, blah, 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 the album. She covered a lot of ground with the show, and one of the highlights was her very honest reaction to X's current state. He's on life support, and it does not look good. She's the, she sees the parallels in her life and says she suffers from survivors, survivor's guilt. Uh, she knows she could have been in DMX's state or even worse. Um, Demi Demi's Dances with the Devil album is autobi- autobiographical and dare to say spectacular. One thing clearly was not affected by the OD. Demi's voice is better than ever. Demi also st- talked about the way she's handling recovery and it's not with, ab- with, not with abstinence. Okay, well, okay. Well, yeah, but she smokes weed and whatnot. But anyways, to make a long story short, she did a recent episode of Joe Rogan um, and she talked about her when she OD'd and she's partially fucking blind now. Mm-hmm. She sees she has blind spots in her vision from the OD like this is no joke, mm-hmm. you know, and, and after seeing Demi Lovato's story, um, you know, I, I'm a lot more. Uh, I respect her a whole lot more. Yeah. You know, she has the same level of illness like, oh, here's one thing that, that needs to be mentioned, too. DMX had an addiction to cocaine, right? But the way he started cocaine is the most fucked up story that anyone could ever imagine. DMX, yeah, he was crying. Yeah, he was crying when he told the story. When DMX was sixteen, it was somebody that he knew that he thought was like his homie, like his older homie, and the dude was thirty years old. Mm -hmm. And they would like commit crimes, like they would like stick people up or do whatever. And one day, um, innocent, but. Not to cut you off. He was saying he doesn't, he didn't really do anything at that point. Right. He didn't do no drug, no nothing, no mm-hmm. drinking, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And at the age of 16, he passed DMX a laced blunt. And the blunt was laced with cocaine and weed. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time he ever did cocaine was at the age of 16. And he has been in bondage with cocaine since Ever the age since. of 16. Yeah. So we could we could mourn DMX or whatever. But if you look at it another way, DMX was freed. Yeah. DMX was freed from bondage. He had a lifelong battle with cocaine. He could never kick it. You you said that. You said, um, uh, I don't know if you said it on the podcast or in the conversation, mm-hmm. but you was you were saying like sometimes the first person, the first time somebody does any sort of, whether it's alcohol, 
cocaine or mm-hmm. heroin or whatever the case may be or pills or Xanax whatever yeah so sometimes that's that that's good riddance it's that's good riddance. the end of their story right that's there it. yeah yeah and let me tell you how how talented he was he was <clears> literally <throat> battling a whole demon and still amassed that great level of success yeah that's it's, it's crazy. It's so many people that have either taken their lives or had their lives compromised by drugs or whatever. You know, you think of the Robin Williams of the world and all these other people that whether they committed suicide or they had a really tough drug addiction and Chris Farley. And oh, I think Chris Farley also OD'd, I believe. Mm, Unless I, it was suicide. I can't remember how he passed on, but there's so many talented people that have lost their lives. This is a, a totally super tangent and totally mm-hmm. off topic mm-hmm. but chris farley has a cousin um his name is like james farley or you know re- one of those like regular names mm-hmm. but his last name is farley but he's like the ceo of ford what the fuck this is like super random Jeez. yeah, yeah. it might be jim jim oh farley goodness. or something like that yeah that dude's loaded man that, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You see, it makes you think about certain families, like yeah, like if your your cousin is a CEO of Ford. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, imagine if like Keith, like in his last name is Fingers. What if he was related to the person who actually created Chicken Fingers? That'd be crazy. Like the CEO of Chicken Fingers. <laughs> Keith is like, man, fuck you, man. <laughs> oh man I, th- I think um it's i think that this the whole survivor's guilt i think um some people charlemagne and um charlemagne was taught who was he talking to i don't know but i know jay-z talked about this too about survivor's guilt yeah yeah it's basically making it out of really fucked up conditions it don't matter if you grew up in the hood if you're living in the hood and you are you live in an underserved community, a lot of times you never see the way out. So a lot of times people, when they make these comments about, you know, the inner city and this and that, this is an underserved area where a lot of people have a hard time getting out based yeah. on them not having educational resources, even food a lot of times. And if when you make it out and become whether it's a rapper or an NBA player or whatever, and you're making seventy five million dollars a year, and you look at the neighborhood you grew up in, and everyone is still fucked up, you kind of like fuck, man. Like, yeah, you're like, yo, I made it, but it's like everybody doing bad. Yeah, he was talking to uh, his name's like the Stock Trapper or mm-hmm. I forgot, but he's he. They just had an interview on the Breakfast Club, and the guy was saying like he he from the hood, and you know he was a drug dealer and the whole nine. And he was saying like, sometimes I have survivors or survivors guilt because right. I made it out of the hood and I'm making a lot of money. Right. And Charlamagne was saying like, I have the same issue yeah. that he's dealing with. And you know, I think I don't have it to that extent, but I think about it a lot, you know, because um, even the theme of um, my, the movie that I, I've written and, and I know one day it will um, be presented to the world on, on screen and whatnot. But um the theme of, the, of my movie is like similar to that. Like, yo, I was me and my cousins. We grew up. We went to the same schools. We, you know, our lives are not that much different. But for whatever reason, right. you know, they chose game banging or they chose, you know, whatever. And you know, they ended up in jail. And you know, and Eddie knows. You know, I have cousins in freaking prison and all kind of stuff. Oh, so, yeah. um, 
you know, but me, you know, I just happen to go to school. So I think right. it's 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 um, kind of going back to that point we made. I think I, it might have been last week, but, you know, like you're put in the, this position by God because you can handle it. I think some go. people like I, I can handle seeing all these things. I can handle two of my uncles passing away in a month. I can handle, um, you know, just dealing with different, you know, traumatic experiences. And I can still maintain and, you know, live life. But, right. you know. I think we are placed just like a, it's like a chessboard, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe my cousin couldn't handle being on the outside because he might've been, he might've done something traumatic or atrocious to someone else. So it's like, yo, you just got to sit down and you yeah. know learn your lessons while you're sitting in prison. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. This is unfortunate, mm-hmm. but yeah, you guys get the gist of it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, moving right along, uh, switching gears, uh, divorce parties. Um, divorce parties are a thing and I will read this, what this means by definition, um, divorce party, a divorce party party, also known as divorce ceremony is a ceremony that celebrates the end of a marriage or civil union. They can involve either both, either one or both members of the separating couple, uh, divorce parties have been called the final frontier of the wedding industry complex and often involve a toast that emphasizes the couple beginning new chapters in their lives. Okay, um, this is why I completely fucking disagree with this. I think this is one of the dumbest fucking things ever. Mm-hmm. A divorce party. Why in America? Why are we celebrating failure? Yeah, this is failure. When a divorce ends, when when a marriage ends, that is not a time to celebrate. Instead of having a party, go to a fucking therapy. Go to a therapist. Mm-hmm. Go to the gym. Try to make more money. Try to better yourself. But why are you celebrating a failure? That doesn't make any sense. And it was a bunch of people like, my divorce party, I, I mean, I planned it and I had my friends. And I ha-. I'm thinking like, are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> You're celebrating something. Let me tell you something. If I was married and I and somehow we broke up, I would be shattered. Whether, let's, if me, it wouldn't be for me cheating because I don't do that. But mm-hmm. let's just say I cheated and I lost my wife. I'd be tore up because I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. If let's say I didn't cheat and she cheated on me, I would be shattered because she hurt me. Right. Why in the fuck would you be celebrating? Why would you be happy? That means you didn't even love the person. If you can celebrate after a divorce, you did not love the person. It just doesn't make sense to me that we live in a society that has the celebratory i the celebratory like idea of something like this. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Even if the person was abusive, <clears throat> if they beat you, I'm not saying you should be throwing a party and be happy either. That's when you should really go to therapy. But celebrating breaking breaking like a marriage, I just don't understand. I can't even comprehend this idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think I think this is some sort of like you know, modern take on right. you know, divorces that the people have created. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I stand, you know, with you as far as like, I think even just with breakups in general, um, I think, I think we should take time to, to really uh, grieve and, you know, sit with your thoughts versus trying to get out in the world. And like, right. it, like people are treating it like they got freed from slavery, you know, exactly. I mean? here, <laughs> throwing parties and stuff. I think, um, I think that's, I also feel like that's not healthy. And we talked no. about it before um, as far as dealing with like funerals and stuff and relating that to these kind of situations. Like the, the most important thing or the best thing 
um, that a person can do in this type of situation is just feel all the feels. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you got a divorce <clears throat> and you genuinely sad because that was your best friend at one point in time and right. y'all grew apart, like feel those, feel those emotions. Don't try to mask that with a, uh, with a party or so with a boat trip or a night out with your girls. Like just feel that. And then, you know, when you feel like you've centered yourself again and you feel like you can get out into the world and, you know, really think coherently about the decisions you're going to make, then you can, you know, have some sort of like celebratory thing. But I, I, I do agree with you, like celebrating the failures. That's a, that's a new, that's a new thing. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Why do you think 50% of, of marriages end a divorce? It's because you got a bunch of people like this. You're celebrating the fucking failure. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't even get married for the right reason. They get married because they think that's what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I'd rather never get married if, if if I don't have a true, deep connection and bond and I really love her. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking way I would ever get married. Yeah. Ever. I think people are desensitized to love now. Mm-hmm. I think that we live in a society where people treat love like the drive through it in and out. Mm-hmm. Like they just oh let me pull up oh here's love oh oh okay all right I'm give me a fries animal style all right here's love all right there you go yeah it's crazy yeah it's there's no nurturing there's nothing it's like we've it's like with the influx of social media that's had one of the one of the effects from it and also you know we fast track these relationships with Tinder and all this other bullshit. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're getting desensitized to what a bond really means. Yeah. I remember, um, um, Charlamagne made a great point. I brought it up on the last podcast where he talked about how a lot of people have trauma bonds. Mm -hmm. Like they don't even have relationships no more. It's people that's in their thirties talking about toxic people and how like, it's like people are almost attracted to toxic people. It's weird. Yeah. I, look, I work too many. I work too much, and I have too much peace in my life to have a woman that's toxic and is on my nerves. Not at all. Like yeah. the first, the first sign of stress in my life, and I cut women off. Mm-hmm. Period. <clears throat> Period. It don't matter what the relationship is. We could just. It could be us trying to pursue something serious, or we're just fucking, or we're trying, or we're almost. I will literally any sign of stress. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And people just, I don't know, they deal with the stress, then they get divorced, and then they throw a party. It's just mm-hmm. fucking weird. Yeah, it, it is. Just, it's, it's strange to me that, that I always just, like I said before, I'm, I'm always lean on, you know, people taking care of themselves first and foremost. There you go. Because, like you said, it, it like, it's everything is just microwave now. Like, yeah. people are, I think. From what I see, like people are jumping into relationships faster. You know, people are probably getting married faster and people are probably getting divorced faster. So it's like, imagine yeah. if you just took your time through all those phases. Exactly. How much more successful things would be. Or even if you like if you dated for six months before you got into a relationship and then you was like, ah, this ain't really it for me. You know what I mean? And you just moved on and you would cut out all those that other. You, you wouldn't have to post the girl on Instagram. You would have you to go. do none of that stuff that just looks kind of weird. Right. And, you know, you put yourself back on the market again and then you, you try. I, I say six months is a little long. I say more like four. But I, I think people I think people are too quick to go public and shit like that mm-hmm. just because. You know, they feel this obligation through social media. Like mm-hmm. there's there's women that literally feel like if he's not showing you off on social media, then you need to get somebody that will. And it's like you're you're using social media as a metric for your relationship. Mm-hmm. But that's just so fucking stupid. That is so dumb. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, it's it's weird because 
There's a lot of people that do this and the relationship doesn't work out. So now you got 8 million pictures of a motherfucker that you broke up with. Mm-hmm. And the last nine people that you took a picture with two weeks after fucking meeting them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you got a graveyard of motherfuckers on your Instagram. It's a graveyard of, yeah. You got a graveyard of all the people that you, you had these um, lukewarm emotions for. Yeah. Unless you got a burning desire for somebody, don't get in a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Or you will end up throwing a divorce party. <laughs> but um, I, I think that I guess to play devil's advocate a little bit, I think that um, you know, some people I think I think um, because they have these a lot or well, a lot of people have unhealthy relationships and the divorce process is a you know, is a, it's a lot of it's, it costs a lot of money and sometimes it could be a very long drawn out process depending on how many assets you guys have. Like if you have a business together or Mm. you have properties together and stuff like that. Um, It could be cause to let your shoulders down. I still don't see the actual like celebration of it, like partying with your girls, but you know, it could be cause to, it could be something that you could be excited about because, and and I know personally, like some, um, some, females that I know that have been in relationships with men that have, they tried, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, let's do the therapy. You know, maybe you cheated on me a couple of times or once and, you know, I worked through it. Um, and then finally that there's this like final straw. I think, you know, that could be something, like I said, that, you know, not necessarily a celebratory thing, but something you can be uh, genuinely happy that you can move on with your life and you won't have to deal with a person that's putting you through so much stress. Um, but yeah, it's just, you could be, you could be, you could be happy in the sense that now, you know, you know what, like you think about your situation. Okay. We never had kids. Okay. So we didn't have kids together or this, or, you know, my finances aren't messed up by this marriage or whatever. Mm -hmm. So from that aspect, you could be happy, but you're not literally happy because you still have a failed relationship with a bunch of time behind it. So if you've given your life to someone for the last six years and it didn't end in a successful marriage and mind you, the only way you can have a successful marriage is if you die together. So if you with this person till you die, that is, and people don't realize to what death a marriage is part, right? People don't realize what a marriage means. Yeah. This means like people don't like, it's weird. There are so many single married people. They don't even realize it. What you mean? What I mean by single married is you're married, but you're the guy that always has your shirt off flirting with a bunch of chicks behind your oh, wife's I back. You. Yeah. You're married, but you're the same chick that has your tits all over the fucking internet all the time, twerking, looking single while being married. Mm-hmm. You don't have any respect for the person you're with. That's why so many divorces are happening, too, because there's this obligation to be a worldly person while you're married. Like, yo, if I was to get married today, all I'm going to be doing is focusing on the podcast, making money and chilling with my wife. And no more gray sweatpants. Yeah, because you can't wear gray sweatpants, especially if you got some if you have a level two dick. (laughs) because <laughs> once you get to level it's three levels of dick it's it's the, the level one is being you ain't got much dick level two is like you got some dick to show in the gray sweat and level three is your dick's too big man <sighs> so you can't wear gray sweatpants because your wife will not let you walk out the house with that shit on <laughs> if you got level three dick man you can't go outside man. <laughs> that was crazy <laughs> Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but it's just so many things that pour into this whole idea. 
Yeah. And I think that what it is too is because there's a lot of worldly people in relationships that when they break up and their marriage ends, they've been putting on a fucking campaign the whole time they've been married. Mm-hmm. This and it's and it's so many dudes that's stupid too. Cause it'd be dudes that be married and every other video is them slapping their wife's butt. You know, they smacking her ass, they grabbing it, they spanking it, they pulling her pants down, showing her in a thong. You're broadcasting your wife. Yeah. Congratulations, dummy. Now everybody wants to fuck your wife. Yeah. <laughs> People don't get it, man. Mm-hmm. You could look, don't listen to me. You could have any relationship you want. But when you've been single long enough and you see people get divorces, that woman is right back to the streets in, in a week. Mm-hmm. She already getting fucked the next week after the divorce. I fucked the chick two weeks after she got divorced. So don't tell me, okay? <laughs> don't tell me. Yeah. I know, all right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I probably went off on a tangent. Yeah. But that's it's just the truth, man. Mm-hmm. And this is why so many failed marriages. That it's we're trying to appropriate things that don't fit mm-hmm. the idea of a marriage. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then when they don't work out, woo, Vegas party time. Yeah. <laughs> like y'all sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Any if you got friends, I don't want to keep blabbing, but ladies and gentlemen, if you got friends, right? And you get divorced and they like, we got to go to Vegas next week. Them ain't your fucking friends. They just using your marriage, your failure marriage to go out and have drinks. I think, yeah, (laughs) I I feel like a real friend in that situation would do something healthy that makes you feel better. Right. Like, yo, even I guess, you know, I I, binge eating is probably not the best thing. But, you know, like a, a, a friend that would be like, yo, they just pull up to your crib with your favorite bucket of ice cream or whatever, and y'all could watch Gilmore Girls or something like that. Hmm. But you know, some I think I think that, like you said, that, that that's more so living for themselves. You know what I mean? If a girl's like, yeah. "Yo, let's go to Vegas, woo, let's get some new dick, woo." Oh yeah, yeah, they'd be screaming that all the way to Vegas. New dick, <laughs> new dick, new dick, new me. <laughs> yes, bitch, new yeah. dick. I will say you can't sex yourself out of uh, no. grief, though. No, you can't. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. You can't. But here's the thing, though. That's that's true. And that's also false. Because what happened is if she was getting bad dick the whole time of that marriage and she gets the divorce and now some dude is fucking the shit He's out of her. on her back out. Yeah, she ain't regretting that. Yeah. She's dang. like, yeah, new dick, new me. Yeah. <laughs> Stretching you out. No, huh? no. I'd be like, new, it'd be dude hitting her from the back. What was your name again? <laughs> I don't even know your name. <laughs> What's your maiden name? <laughs> I want to feel better about myself. What's your name? At least I need to know your name. I know some of y'all didn't have that phone call. I'm like, oh my God, girl. I didn't even know his name. Yeah. I feel so bad about it. Yeah. You'd be like, girl, just take that walk of shame and shut up. That's that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 But there's that, man. Mm -hmm. There's there's the whole idea of a divorce party to me is just nonsense. Let's have divorce therapy sessions. There you go. There you go. Divorce therapy. If I I got a homie that just got divorced, I'm going to be like, hey, man, uh, let's go hit the gym. Hey, man, uh, just if you need anything, hit me up. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you need to talk. Let me know. Yeah. I'm the person that's really there. I'm not trying to drown out your sadness with alcohol. I, I like to get through my problems with conversations because mm-hmm. I've been stressed the fuck out before. 
and actually having conversations and people that I've had conversations with my best friends at one in the morning, two in the morning when I couldn't sleep and I was stressed out and crying and and like like you, you start um, overthinking and shit like that. I don't you don't need a drink when you overthinking and stressing out. You need somebody to talk to. A conversation is going to do so much more for you. Oh, yeah. It's going to, you know, and I don't want to speak from an elitist standpoint, but I'm just saying like from a person that, you know, just thinks a lot and has dealt with just, you know, just real life issues. Right. A conversation is going to do so much more for you than and it's going to feel so much better afterwards. Yes. There's no hangover attached to it. There's no body aching, throwing up, whatever. It's just straight, like, feel like just good energy. Bro, I've seen, man, because I was a real big time club goer back in the day, but I would be in the club and I see a girl in there with her homegirls and the music playing and she dancing. One of the girls is drinking, dancing, and with tears coming out of her eyes. Nah. Oh, yeah. I've seen that a few times. Girls out there on the dance floor with tears coming out. They probably broke up with a boyfriend, whatever. But you shouldn't. This is the wrong place to be. Yeah. Ain't nothing but wolves in here. These dudes just want some pussy. They, ain't nobody trying to be like, what's wrong? Let's That's talk about it. it. Yeah. The music is just the wrong. You in the wrong element. Yeah. If you if you break up with somebody, do not go to the club. You need to face that shit head on. You mm. in the club like <laughs> the typical club music. Uh, Lil John, yeah, yeah, shots, 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 shots. Everybody, you like Devin, Devin, that would be crazy. This, the worst part for a female in you know in in that whole like divorce type situation, the worst part for them is if they do was terrible, but he had good dick. Wow, yeah. So now because if they move on to somebody that's like really good, so they didn't bring them flowers and all that, but they dick is weak. That just, just make like, it worse. That yeah. women will leave a dude like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a deal breaker for them. <laughs> They'll break up and be right up in a syndicate lounge. Yeah. <laughs> I was cracking a joke. I posted on Facebook recently. I said, if you went to uh, McMurphy's or Signicate uh, Lounge back in the day, you should be uh, immune to the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> You should have antibodies like a motherfucker. Yeah. The nastiest bathroom I've ever seen in my life was at McMurphy's, bro. Like, I got to tell the story before we move on. One day, this shit was fucking hilarious. One day, it was packed. Everyone was dancing and shit. And for some reason, the dance floor is always wet from people, like, dropping their drinks dropping, all over. Yeah. So, it was it'd just... sticky, too. It'd be sticky. It's mm-hmm. just nasty. Smells like urine in there. Mm-hmm. It smells like sweat, urine, um... Alcohol, weed, pussy juice, everything. It's just yeah. nasty, right? So <laughs> this dude's dancing in the middle of the dance floor. He's getting off and shit. And somehow the bathroom door opened up. And it was one of the bathrooms that had one toilet in there mm-hmm. and a sink. And he was taking the shit with the door wide open, bro. <laughs> he was in there on the toilet just shitting. And then he got up and started wiping his ass and shit. And Wait, why is it it just swung open or what? The door just opened up and nobody closed it. <laughs> and I guess somebody tried to close it and it opened back up. Oh, man. <laughs> 
Everybody, I, I just caught on to what you were saying. Yeah, dude. The, the, it was just a one person bathroom, right? Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't no in the men's bathroom. They don't give us no shields or nothing. <laughs> you just if you get seen, you just get seen. <laughs> <laughs> He had a, uh, he didn't get up. Did, what he did he notice or that, was and that bathroom was so fucking old, man. Yeah. It looked like a bathroom from like the civil rights movement or something, man. Was, this <laughs> nigga was taking a doo-doo in the colors only. <laughs> <laughs> Civil rights bathroom. <laughs> oh man. Hey man. Oh bro. I just remember that day, dog. I couldn't I just me and my homie was in there just dying laughing. Oh uh, man. That sounds crazy. <laughs> the sad part is he didn't even get up to shut the door. I've had some funny fucking moments in Bakersfield clubs, man. Yeah. It was a club back in the day called Azul's. It was called uh-huh. a, a Azul's downtown. Mm-hmm. And it was a cool little club, but it would just get over like it just the occupancy was just it was just too many people that would go mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I've seen people fall down and hurt themselves and <laughs> hit their head on the ground and everybody start walking over. <laughs> Niggas getting trampled in the club. People have no empathy in club. Little John. Little John. <laughs> <laughs> It's like four songs that spin in Bakersfield clubs, and that's Little John, Pitbull, Flo Rida, or fuck. There's like one more, but it's mm-hmm. the same. They've been spinning the same fucking records Every for like time. the past twelve Y'all years. DJ, Bakersfield DJs is so trash. I don't know what it is. You man. gotta play new music, bro. Yeah. The, the, the thing that sucks too is if you, not that I have been to a club in a different like. A popular or like a populated city, but I just imagine just knowing the caliber of DJs that are out there. Um, I, I, I'm almost positive they they probably sprinkle in some of the older stuff, right. but for the most part, they probably playing you know more newer stuff that people actually want to hear. But sometimes I'll be well, not anymore, but like when I was working in the um, like in bars and stuff like that, it would be the oldest playlist. You may right. hear one song that's like popping currently, but it'd be old. It's always, they playing genuine still. It's yeah. just like, come on. <clears throat> yeah, and then they replace the the bad DJ. Like if the, if the the bad DJ can't make it, they get like an interim DJ and yeah. his his like DJ name is terrible. Like y'all give it up for DJ Blowfish. Like, <laughs> Nigga, what did you say? <laughs> DJ Blowfish on the ones and twos. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't get your motherfucking ass out of here, <laughs> DJs be trash, bro. Oh man! Mm-hmm. All right, man. Switching gears. Um, Kid Cudi wears a dress on Saturday Night Live. All right, yeah. let's let's get into this. Let's get into this. <clears throat> Kid Cudi is my dude, man. Love that guy. I've been listening to his music for years. I fucks with Kid Cudi. All right. Um, <clears throat> Kid Cudi wore a dress on SNL. Uh, in tribute to Kurt Cobain, Kid Cudi also confirmed that he's collaborating on a clothing line with Off-White CEO Virgil Abloh, who designed the dress. A uh, singer uh, and rapper Kid Cudi, who wore a floral dress designed by the label Off-White during a performance on Saturday Night Live, confirmed s- Sunday afternoon that the garment was a tribute to Kurt Cobain. Kid Cudi, 37, uh, whose name real name is Scott Ramon Segurul uh, <laughs> Mescudi. I thought it was a Scott Mescudi. 
He got fucking four names. Um, tweeted <laughs> off white CEO Virgil Abloh created a dress for him with a tribute to Kurt Cobain. Um, Virgil designed a dress for me. I told him I wanted to show love to Kurt with floral print sundress. And uh, and this man made a masterpiece. Thank you, Virgil Abloh. You're a fucking genius. Love you, man. Um, Kid Cudi's performance on Saturday fell on the same week of the anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death at age 27. Nirvana singer and songwriter died by suicide April 5th, 1994. The dress resembled one Cobain wore when he appeared on the cover of Face magazine in 1993. Okay, here's the thing, man. Um, there's a lot of people that had a really weird take on what Kid Cudi was doing. They were like, oh, look at them, man. You know, this is what they want the black man to do. They want to emasculate the black man and make him look gay and all of this. And I'm thinking like, this is ridiculous. This is just, like, first of all, Kid Cudi has never given a fuck what anyone had to say about him at any time ever in his career. Mm-hmm. Kid Cudi is a legend already, bro. He's he's on that level of like, people, people would disagree with me, but he's in his own lane. Like you don't you you don't compare Kid Cudi to any rapper, but God forbid when he passes, dude, that's gonna be huge because he has a he doesn't even have like a fan base. He has like a tribe mm-hmm. of people who followed him. Man, he there are people that said like, man, Kid Cudi saved my life. He stopped yeah. me from committing suicide. Like Kid Cudi is that dude. He's yeah, you know he's he's always had that type of um uh I don't want to say image, but he's had that type of presence, but. Kid Cudi could do what the fuck he wants. Mm-hmm. Like, and he did, he was a, it was a purpose behind this. Mm-hmm. You know, he really, he really fucks with Kurt Cobain and loves his music and his art and wanted to pay tribute to someone. I don't get why people have such a simplistic mindset and think like, oh, see, look at Kid Cudi sold his self to the devil. Look at him dressing up in dresses, being gay and all this. Bo-. It's like, dude, chill, bro. Mm-hmm. And then it was it was also a business decision. Like he was signing the off white. So it's like, come on, man. And then also you think about all the artists from the past that didn't get the same scrutiny. Like, did Kurt Cobain get the same scrutiny when he wore a dress? Probably not. Mm-hmm. It's just that people have selective outrage, which is getting annoying. Um, not to mention, um, there's so many artists that did questionable shit that never got called out. Like Look at Prince. He wore pants with no ass in them. Are you- I, 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 not mm-hmm. to cut you off, but I, I do think um, in the time period that a lot of those people got scrutiny. I'm sure Kurt Cobain got some backlash for wearing those those kind of things. Maybe mm, maybe probably. not. Obviously, there was no social media back right. then. But I just remember like <laughs> guys like Outkast when they was wearing like the kilts. I mean, when Andre Thousand was wearing like kilts and stuff like yeah. that, people was for sure saying like. Some but but here's the difference though in, in in the rock genre it's a lot more accepted to do these things yeah. so you think of like Guns N' Roses and, and you know Motley Crue and all these other bands and Kiss Kiss put makeup on yeah. you know they had mm-hmm. fucking long tongues and shit and paint on their face mm-hmm. so this is this is more accepted in the rock genre but in like the hip hop genre it's not really seen or really mm-hmm. comprehended by mm-hmm. people when they listen to hip hop they're like, I ain't listening to no nigga in a dress. I'm not listening to that. Like yeah. Young Thug, I love Young Thug. Young Thug is dope, but he wore a dress, and people was like, man, he gay, man. Look at he gay, and it's crazy. I think that there are certain artists that are like, fuck it, I'm gonna do what I want. Yeah. And there's certain artists that consider themselves more to be like, like either like a rock star or whatever. But like Young Thug wore uh wore that, and 
The same niggas that was <laughs> mad at Kit Cudi and the same niggas that was mad at Young Thug was the same niggas that was wearing 3X white tees right. back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and you look like you was wearing a dress, so. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you, I mean, you used to dress like Soldier Boy, man. Yeah, you he was fucking, for show was wearing, he for show was wearing a dress. Yeah, like you pretty much wore a fucking dress. And, yeah, somebody posted something earlier, I was busting up. Uh, they said uh, they, uh, there was a phase... I forgot what the post was about, but he said there was a phase where people was wearing three uh, X tall t shirts, man. And I was like, yeah, that was a bad time because <laughs> yeah. I was wearing some long t shirts too, not super long, but pretty fucking long. Mm-hmm. I was at least rocking three X talls. I never got, I never, I never did it. I yeah. never really got around to the super tall yeah, tees that, or the super baggy much. clothes. And I, I know some dudes that used to wear those shorts, but they were so long they was basically pants. Mm-hmm. The, the fucking <laughs> the shorts go down to your ankles. Mm-hmm. It's like that's not shorts anymore. Yeah, you basically wearing pants. pants. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy. <clears throat> but yeah, but I, I think I agree with you. I think that it's uh, people get mad. People get conveniently mad. At, at these kind of things And I, I think too We just put too much stock Into what other people are doing Oh yeah Like Kit, like you said Kit Cudi is not worried about You know what people are saying He also uh, People also understand How to uh, Rile up an uh, An, an right, audience right? Right, right So When Little Nas X is out here And he's Making a video Where he's twerking on the devil And doing right. all this He knows people are gonna talk about him Right And a week later He has the biggest song in the, He has the number one song In right. America You know what I mean So And I think for Kid Cudi I think Kid Cudi is more of an artist And I don't think he's a clout chaser By any means But I, I am sure that he was aware that When he did this There was gonna be um, People talking on social media yeah. So um, I think for those people that are like, if you're genuinely mad at this kind of stuff, you should just have a conversation amongst your friends. Because yeah. what you're doing when you go to social media or when you go to YouTube and you're like, Kit Cudi and pop culture and all these uh, uh, Illuminati or they're trying to emasculate black men and they're trying to um, bring up. down the black man and all this kind of stuff. It's like, it's, it's you're only, you know, making um, this headline or this this thing much bigger than it really has to be if you didn't if you didn't say anything if you right. really want these kind of things to go away then don't say anything about it imagine if no one watched Kit Cudi's performance and not and he's a talented artist so that wasn't going to happen but you know if imagine if no one watched Lil Nas X's music video or you know right. people just didn't talk about it it wouldn't be the number one song in the country no. now you have to listen to it because it's going to be on the radio and stuff remember that song <clears throat> I, I, and I'm going to botch it because I don't remember who sung the song remember that uh, let's give them something to talk about. Mm-mm. You remember that song? Mm-mm. Fuck. Somebody's gonna say, Eddie, that's so and so, and I'm gonna feel bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're just basically giving people something to talk about. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty much what it is. But I there was purpose behind it, and it wasn't only to, you know, for Kurt Cobain, but it was to, you know, um he had a collaboration with that company. Yeah. But <clears throat> I think there's some men out in the world that that they're not too afraid to step outside of whatever and do what they want. Mm-hmm. There's so many men that are caught up in this idea of masculinity, right? Where it's like holding them. There are men that think that holding things back and never talking to anyone makes them tough. Yeah. Well, I, bad, bad luck. Well, that's going to end up turning out bad for you, man. You yeah. know, you got to eventually you have to talk to someone. Yeah, you have no choice. Well, I can't talk to my wife. I can't talk to so and so. Well, when you're sitting in the car and you are 
stressed out and about to cry and you have no one to talk to because you never you felt like you have to hold up this idea of masculinity. By the way, who like is there a book? Like, I mean, I'm a man, but if if I need to cry, I will. You know what I'm saying? I will. Mm-hmm. If I need to talk to somebody, I will. But the the ability of basically I'm I'm able to go out into the world and be comfortable with who I am based on what I'm able to do with myself. So I think that Kid Cudi is comfortable with himself because he's been able to soul search and deal with certain people in a way where he's not caring what people think. Yeah. And I think what is good for someone else doesn't necessarily have to be what's no, good for you. No. Like there's a lot of men and these are straight men. They're painting their nails now. And yeah. to me, when I see it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of that's different. But yeah. it's not it's not for me. You right. Know, it doesn't really I, I wouldn't do it myself. But, you know, it, you know, there's people just exploring. And I think what's happening now is people are kind of like um, exploring what being masculine actually means. You know what I mean? And right. um, I think that that idea um, to me is cool. Not necessarily for me to uh, to to purchase a dress or get my nails done and sit in front of the Asian lady and get my nails done while she talked disrespectful to me. <laughs> Stop Asian hate, man. Yeah, yeah, we can't, we can't go, down, can't go nah, down that one. I'm just playing. But um, but no, I think I think it's important to me because like Eddie said about the whole mental mental health thing, like there's a lot of um, people out there that, you know, we've seen people posting on social media and people saying these kind of things that, um, you know, a man should a man should never express how he feels. A man should never be vulnerable in front of his woman or, you know, this right. kind of like nonsense. So I think for me, maybe for somebody else that's wearing a dress for me, yeah. that that um, that idea plays out as far as like just me expressing myself and me being right. able, me and me being able to be vulnerable. The thing about it, too, is that. I think people that aren't vulnerable are terrible communicators. 100%. Have you ever been? Have you, I'm sure you've watched an interview on The Breakfast Club where they interview on some nigga that just like signed a record <laughs> deal and he got a, the number one song in the country and he just on there like so later like hey so how did you start making music? Yeah, I just you know what I'm saying one day I just turned the mic on and they'd be like hey how did it, you know such and such die and affect you? It was sad but you know what I'm saying I, I got through it. And these are the type of niggas that got like the number one song in the country. And you're like, these dudes don't even know how to talk. Yeah, they be on the they be on the song like Molly Percocet lean. Molly Percocet lean. Molly Percocet lean. I mean, like, I just give it all I got in the booth. <laughs> give it all I got in the booth. <laughs> what be what be more annoying, and this is what I'm talking about as far as like being able to express yourself emotionally, is that these are people that um, they can rap in front of a microphone and an engineer and they can talk about their brother dying. They can talk about their homie getting shot. They can talk about selling drugs and all this kind of stuff. But when they get on the breakfast club or when they get in front of Ebro, they don't know how to articulate these things. And the part of that is because as a society and as men, you know, you're taught to not express how you, how you really feel. Man, I, was, this, I don't know why I thought about this, but I just thought about this right now. Rod Wave is the Black Adele. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, just hear me out. Rod okay. Wave is the fucking Black Adele. This guy doesn't really make hardly any upbeat songs. Yeah. You know, it's always like, oh, I've been broke so many times. I don't know what you believe. Yeah. Then you got Adele. 
pretty much makes the same music. Adele makes music for people. She makes music for women that just broke up with some dude. Adele gonna make a trash album if she happy one day. If she happy, it's gonna be terrible. Yeah. It's gonna be off. Right now, Adele looks too happy to release an album right now. That's why she ain't releasing no music. Yeah, Adele's she looking good. She getting good Jamaican dick right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> she getting good jerk dick right now. <laughs> jerk, jerk chicken dick. She got braids and shit now. You seen that? I thought she was fucking Jamaican at first. I was like, whoa. Yeah, Adele is too happy to release an album right now. She lost yeah. a bunch of weight. She looks yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, but <clears throat> it's just hilarious. Like I was thinking about those comparisons. Like mm-hmm. Rod Wave is basically the black male Adele. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, he's just. I guess he putting like his. I guess he put his emotions out there. But he's mm. a terrible interviewer too, though. <laughs> he's yeah. another terrible interviewer. There's like yeah. so. So Rod, like, what do you do when you know when you come out and you express yourself? I mean, like, I just. I mean, I feel it, and I put it on paper. You know, um, you know. I'm just like, geez, man, can yeah. you? I, it, it's also we're, we're fucked up communicators too because we live in a text culture. Yeah, where everybody, I hate when motherfuckers will not answer your call and then they'll text you. Yeah, it's like I called you, motherfucker. Answer the phone. Yeah, people don't even know how to talk on the phone. Yeah, fuck crazy yeah man but yeah not not too much on this topic we kind of went on a tangent <laughs> yeah dude I, I i got i fuck with kid cuddy i fuck with his music and i think anybody that <clears throat> that really fucks with kid cuddy's music and is a fan of him you didn't second guess why he was you was probably like yo he in a dress what's he doing it's got to be a reason for this that's the way you think about it what's the reason behind the dress mm-hmm. and then you wait for it oh okay it was a tribute to kurt cobain okay got it but if you didn't like Kid Cudi in the first place, all this was was confirmation bias. Yeah. That's yeah. all the fuck it was. It was just confirmation bias. You decided you didn't fuck with Cudi. Oh, he got a dress on? He gay. He gay. It's like, come on, bro. Yeah. I, I think, um, like I said before, you don't, what somebody else does doesn't have to be for you. It, right. it could be anything. Like there's um, certain clothes or certain, like the skinny jeans that people are wearing. It doesn't have to be for you. I, I don't understand why people get so uh, frustrated or angry or angry at what another man is doing. Like I think I think um, all of us are too invested in what other people are doing, right? And it, it has no effect on your life. Fast. We were too invested in the little Nas X whole experience. You know what I mean? It had nothing to do with us. Like he he made a song for a certain set of people, and you know he made a video. And all of us uh, just kind of played into the whole social media uh, world. <clears throat> and if we just, like I said before, if we just gave it no energy and we were just like, oh, that's cool for him. Like when I watched the video, I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's, it's not for me, but it's cool. And then you just move on with your day. You don't have to go on social media. You don't have to go on Twitter and go on a whole rant and and try to put this like scientific reason behind what's going on. Right. Like, you know, the slave owners in the 1700s, <laughs> they tried to take the black man away from the wife and he put a dress on the black man in order to sell him and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, yeah, you, what it is is you're, you're, you're adding like this context to something mm-hmm. when it's really not, mm-hmm. you, you just reaching when you have to reach for something. All you is basically just confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. You've seen something that further affirmed why you don't like the person. And now you just running off on this tangent that it's like, okay, man, chill mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, switching gears. Um, a restaurant owner uh, kicks 
out guest for twerking. All right. Um, here's the article right here. Try to make some sense of this. Uh, where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? All right. Here we go. Here we go. A true kitchen. Uh, True Kitchen and Cocktails owner stands by viral statement against twerking in his Dallas restaurant. He regrets using profanity and says a few customers were asked to leave. Um, An incident captured Sunday night at a downtown Dallas restaurant has gone viral on multiple social media platforms. This is an older story, by the way. Just a heads up. Okay. Um, and filled up uh, comment sections in a 52 second video about 745 p.m. Sunday at True Kitchen Cocktails opened in August. Owner Kevin Kelly is seen addressing the guests in his dining room. I invited a lot of I invested a lot of money into buying this building and developing this concept so black people can have somewhere nice to go. Kelly said standing in the middle of his restaurant surrounded by customers. He then tells the DJ to stop the music. But all this twerking and expletive <laughs> twerking and shit, uh, take it to prime, take it to pink uh, two dollars clubs because we're a restaurant. Then Kelly, who was black, shared a message for anyone who wants to twerk in his establishments. Get the fuck out of my restaurant. And for anyone who doesn't like this message, get out because I don't need your money. The tweet that first put millions of views on the video in less than a day refers to the incident of restaurant uh, as restaurant suicide on camera. Uh, Meanings, many seem to agree, but reactions online overall seem mixed. Monday morning, Wes Williams who owns Burger IM and the West End Express support for Kelly in a Facebook post. Many comment section in the comment section seem to echo his sentiment. <clears throat> okay, here's my here's my thing about it. Um, here's the thing. I think that as black people, right, I can speak for just us in general, like whether whatever you are, but with for black people more specifically, there's not a there's a lot of black businesses, but in that area, I don't know how scarce they are. And he wanted to provide a service for people. I listened to like Jamel Hill's take on this and she kind of was getting, getting kind of pissed off at the owner for, you know, what he did. But I could be honest, if I invest a lot of money in something and I want to, to uphold a certain amount of class in my establishment, I have that right as the owner of this property and this establishment to kick you out. If I don't feel like you're, if you're doing, you know, what's in i guess in conjunction with you know what i what i would like to see from my restaurant Mm -hmm. i also think that we're a society that is appropriated twerking too much and a lot of times it's just it's just too much now here's the thing if you're in the club twerking's fine if you somewhere else twerking's fine but people just will women a lot of women will just pop your ass out anywhere and just start twerking Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is classless let me put let me add some context to this imagine if men had something they was doing where we had gray sweatpants on and we grabbed our dicks and we just start shaking them around in the restaurant like, whoa, look at this dick twerk. Mm-hmm. People would be like, that's gross. That's disgusting. Kick them out of here. Yeah. But we've appropriated women just shaking ass anywhere. Mm-hmm. And yo, if it's my restaurant and I don't want you in there doing that, then you got to go. Mm-hmm. Just because you're black and you feel comfortable in my, I want you to feel comfortable in, in this establishment. I think that's great. But like, dog, I want to keep the same integrity of other restaurants, whether it's Ruth's Chris or what other what other restaurants, you know, it just happens to be black owned. But yeah, funny. I think I think we have to um, to, to me that that comes off as uh, disrespectful right. um, to your own community and people. You know, we 
and people trying to get out of uh, poverty. You know what I mean? I think we we as black people were in this hole as of right now. You know, there's a lot of people out here that are that are, you know, in poverty and living below, you know, the, the poverty line and, you know, living in projects and stuff like that. So what happens is people create businesses in order to make money. And I think right. we have to we're walking a, a, a tightrope, you know, a, a tightrope. You know what I mean? So we don't want to lean on either side because um, you may fall off. So with that, it's like as a, as a black business owner, you got to be on the up and up. Yeah, you you want people to give good reviews on Yelp and, you know, good right. good reviews on Google and whatnot um, and Facebook and stuff like that. And you want people to, to circulate, you know, just person to person like, yo, this restaurant was amazing. But what happens is if if a person went in there that day and they're like, yo, they're playing music and they're twerking and stuff in there, that's going to make the whole establishment look bad yeah. and it's going to steer away people from from coming in there. So I think. We just have to be have like the utmost care for black owned businesses because yeah. we we as black people know how difficult it is just person to person, how difficult it is just to not not just survive in America, but also thrive in America. 100%. So you should do everything in your power in order to make sure this business, you know, works, you know, better than um, another business, like whether that's, yeah. you know, tipping the waiters or, you know what I mean? Just like you say, leaving good reviews, not going in there and twerking. That's just, that's yeah. just making it look bad. As much as people don't like the conversation of race in America, it exists. And not mm-hmm. to mention, there's a lot of negative stereotypes that are tied to black people. Mm-hmm. So if you're cognizant of that, um, I think it's important to have respect and it's not, Oh, it's not like, Oh, you know, you know, Eddie, you know, I can hear the arguments now. Eddie, you, as a black man or black person, you shouldn't be worried about what other people think about you, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the thing. It's not about me being worried about it. It's just that I know that these stereotypes are real. And I know that in certain ways, I'm being written off before I even get a fighting chance. Yeah. So if I have a fucking business, I'm going to make sure that it's running and everyone gets... For, let's be clear. Regardless of it's a black business or not, there should be a certain level of respect for any establishment. But since it's a black-owned business... I would want to make sure that the person that owns that place, that I represent them in a good light. So the the people were jumping on tables and twerking. That is not respectful at any restaurant. Nowhere. Yeah. Don't think because I'm black. Nowhere you, outside of your own house or a strip fact, club. Facts. Mm-hmm. Don't think that you could come in here because I'm black and I look like you. That You could jump on my tables and start twerking because what's going to happen is that video is going to go viral of you shaking your ass and you're going to bring in a whole demographic of people just like you and I don't want you here. And yeah. what I mean by that is not black people. I'm talking about classless Niggas. people. Yeah, there are class. There's niggas in every race. There's black people and there's niggas. And there's niggas and there's white niggas, Asian niggas, whatever. And that that demographic of people will come in there. Let's say, for example, let's say you're a white dude and you own a business, right? You own a steakhouse. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, the hell's angels walk in and they're like beating on their chest and being all loud and stuff. If you don't tell them nothing, you're going to have 40 other hell's angels in your steakhouse. And now you can't kick them out. And now you ran off all your clientele because you allowed these motherfuckers to do shit in your place. That's what be happening. You you ever see like it happens 
across America, really. Right. It'd be a bunch of gang members hanging out at certain right. places outside of liquor stores right. or gas stations and stuff like that. And that's that's the same thing. And what happens is, and you know, I don't know how it feels to be that business owner, but there, especially in LA too, it's certain gas stations and stuff you just don't go to. Even no. in Bakersfield. Right. You know, it's one, you know, it's one on what, 34th Street that yeah. you we just like, yeah. Eh, nope. If it's if it's not morning, you know what I mean? Yeah. I probably won't go over there. Not trying to risk my life. Yeah. Not <laughs> risking my life for a six pack. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and and that's the same, <laughs> you know, going back to our point as far as like controlling, controlling your environment if you right. if you're if you're a business owner, because what like people are um people have like leech like tendencies. Yes. So, you know, like you said, you you let one person, you know, in there it's working and it's it it, be, it becomes a thing. Like, yo, this is a restaurant where you could go in there and get a meal, you can get macaroni and cheese and you can shake your ass. Mhm. Mhm. And then you bring in that you bring in that group of people and now you can't get them out. Mm-hmm. And people took this as like he was being, you know, derogative towards black people. No, he wasn't being derogative towards black people. He was being direct towards a group of black people that were doing dumb shit in his restaurant. Yeah. And if you say, ain't nothing wrong with twerking, Eddie, I disagree. You should be able to twerk anywhere. Okay, well, how about you go into a job interview and start shaking your ass and see if you get the fucking job? You might get it if the guy's a pervert. You might get the job. <laughs> like, I like the way you twerk. Be back here on Monday. <laughs> but th- I'm just saying that there's certain shit that's not, a- it's not appropriate, man. Mm-hmm. If we... We could we could go we could I could talk to him blue in the face, mm-hmm. but I will say this personally: twerking is not appropriate. Mm-hmm. If I had a daughter and seen her doing it, oh no, no. If you're married and your wife is posting twerk videos, that's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm so the thing about it, I don't want that in my restaurant. Now, if you if you dancing, you clapping your hands and stuff, by all means. Cool. I want you. To, I want you to enjoy yourself. I want you to enjoy your food. I want you to have a great experience. But don't make my place look like a shit show. That's the problem that I have. Yeah, and especially when you wouldn't do that at McDonald's or whatever right. other uh, restaurant. People just sometimes they get real relaxed when they see you know black people or black owned business. Yeah, <clears throat> I get a, I, I get uncomfortable in the professional setting when. When uh, like if I see another another person who looks like me, who happens to be black, regardless, you know, I'm going to show everybody love. But I'll be like, like, hey, what's up, man? But I don't like it when somebody looks like you and they get way too comfortable in public. Be like, hey, hey what's going on, my nigga? Yeah. You'd be like, hey, bro, like we at work. And I, don't, and I don't even this is the first time we met. Like, I'm not your nigga, man. I don't mm-hmm. even know you like that. Yeah. Just keep it professional. Keep it You're professional. Not, it's man. not code switching or nothing. It's just being, you know, being respectful to the environment. Yeah, like even now, me and Keith don't like the word nigga is not a part of our everyday vernacular. Like Mm -hmm. we bring it up in in a joking manner. I don't we don't really even say it. Yeah, it's some it's some people, dog. I've heard people that's not even black say nigga more than I've ever said it in my life. There's some niggas out there that say nigga more per, per capita. <laughs> more than I have ever said. said in my life, man. Like, yo, you got to chill out. Man, this one dude, I had a conversation with him. Non-black dude, right? He said nigga so much, my nose started bleeding. <laughs> I was like, my nose is bleeding, man. You didn't, you didn't niggered me to death. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's one guy, and I just to, to uh, going back to your point about like being 
just respectful to the setting. I had a friend um, named TJ. Shout out to TJ. He uh, he was a professor at New Mexico State. Um, he was like an assistant professor because he was in grad school or whatever. And um, when I would see him on campus and doing his job, like he he would obviously speak to me in a way where, you know, that fit the setting. You know right, what I mean? We, right. we may talk, you know, after work, be like nigga this, nigga that or whatever, or talk about listening to certain music and stuff like that. But during the time where we're on campus or, in, you know, walking through, uh, you know, the different buildings or whatever, it's always that type of respect because you don't. And what happens, too, is you, you start to get judged by people around you. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, you know, who is this guy? Or why Why would, Why is he talking like that kind of thing? So, but when you get home, you could let your shoulders down. Yeah, facts. But as long as you're out somewhere, like, especially if you understand the, I don't expect anybody that's non-black listening to this segment of the podcast, I don't expect for you to understand it or be like, oh, I, how is it any different from any other business? Like, you have to understand the historical context of, black people black culture and also Mm -hmm. realize why it's important for us to make sure we're always on the up and up because if you look bad doing something as a black man or woman it's just seen it just comes off bad it just looks 10 times worse it just looks bad because there's there's a bunch of stereotypes that follow us around and people from the outside and it's not to if it's not to appease anyone that believes in these stereotypes but you do not want these things to become real at Mm -hmm. all to anyone Mm -hmm. right like when i'm at work let's say i'm at a job where i'm the only black guy i'm on point for myself but i'm also on point because i know in the back of people's minds whether they want to admit it or not if i make one mistake then boom all those thoughts come right to the front oh yeah i knew he was a fuck up yeah yeah. I know he has a short temperature. I mean, short t- a short temperature, a short temper, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I, you know, yeah, he probably grew up with a single parent household. Mm-hmm. Always, I had one person straight up tell me one time, he says, yeah, your mom should be proud, man. She did, you know, I'm thinking like, why are you referencing my mom? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, <laughs> it's yeah. like these assumptions that come with being black. Yeah. I've literally had multiple people assume I was raised by a single mother. Yeah. And Fucking with no context at all. No context at all. Hey, your mom did a great job. I'm just like, if you, don't you, just, you just insulted me without even fucking realizing it. Mm-hmm. And these are the same people that will be in your restaurant supporting you. And then, boom, they look to the left. Mm-hmm. And, and Laquisha is twerking with her ass out, standing mm-hmm. on your table. Mm-hmm. That ain't good. Yeah. I, th- I think for you know, kind of what you were saying, like, we don't have to... Like you said, not necessarily a piece to people or try no. to, you know, uh, you know, make people uh, comfortable in situations or whatever. But we also have to play the game. And it's right. kind of going back to Stephen A. Smith has some points about this, about like NFL players smoking weed and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I kind of agree with what he was saying, but, you know, sometimes it, it, I don't fully agree with the kind of stuff he was saying during that time period. Um, but you knowing how society works knowing that it's difficult for us to to make it out here um, knowing that it's already difficult no matter what color you are to own a business to run a business especially a restaurant there's um there's a lot of overhead and there's right. um generally a not generally not a lot of profits you right. know to be made some people be making like two percent um profits you know in a business five ten percent like very very low profit margins on their business right um so 
just knowing that it's like, yo, you got to, like we said before, you got to be on the up and up, but you just got to, you know, that it's, you skating on thin ice, man. Like, you know, I would, if, if I walk into a black establishment or I know a black business owner, I just want to do everything in my power to uplift them and to, you know, to, to make sure their business can thrive because you know, any bad news, um, you know, any, like I said, any poor Yelp, you know, thing. And some, you know, people like to go in on those things too. Like it may, right. like you said, it may have been a white person in there that was already like, you know, have very, uh, you know, believed in certain stereotypes already. So they may have been in that restaurant. And then when they left, you know, they wrote a whole paragraph or a whole two paragraphs yeah. about that situation. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like I was in Harlem. <clears throat> Good chicken, but the girls were twerking. They have fat asses though. <laughs> Signed, Dave. <laughs> Sincerely, Bobby. <laughs> Here's the thing: you want to know a successful, a decent black business where everyone feels comfortable? Jay's place. Mm-hmm. Man, you go to Jay's place, which is the soul food oh, place. I don't know if they're black owned now. They're not black owned now. I don't know if they still are. Oh, I don't because okay. the guy he passed away. That's right. Yeah, that's so right. I don't know who owns it now, but it's a soul food restaurant, which is yeah. black culture. Yeah. But you go up in there, it'd be nothing but white folks in there. Yeah, eating fried chicken. Ain't nobody. Black people be in there, and it's just cool. Nothing but white people in there ending racism. <laughs> <laughs> who knew that chicken could end racism? <laughs> white people drinking Kool Aid, eating cornbread, man. <laughs> Black Lives Matter got it wrong, bruh. They should have a restaurant where they just serve fried chicken. It'd be white people walking in there, black people walking in there, and we could just end racism. People walking in there with Trump hats, (laughs) eating fried chicken and macaroni and cheese, (laughs) trying to make America great one plate at a time. That's crazy. Oh man, but that's I mean it's a restaurant where everybody eats there, man. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, see, for sure. Everybody eats there. You'd be mm-hmm. sitting there and it'd be like two black families, everybody else is white. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah. And vice versa, where it's a black room and like a couple white families. Mm-hmm. So this is just I'm just giving an example of a place where everyone should feel comfortable. Even yeah. if, if it's a just because it's a black owned business doesn't mean that everyone's that it's just black people that should be in there. Mm-hmm. Everyone should feel comfortable being there, like just like any other restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that it's black owned, but it should be moving like every other restaurant. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. imagine, imagine this. Imagine this. As a black person, would you feel comfortable if you went to a restaurant and it was uh uh like I mentioned, like I talked about, like let's say it's a white dude that owns a steak a steak place and a hell's angel standing on desk beating on their chest. Mm-hmm. Nobody would want to eat there. Yeah. No, no, nobody no. want to eat mm-hmm. there because they would feel threatened. Mm-hmm. They would, they would feel nervous or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not a place you could take your family. Mm-hmm. But you you mentioned also like you got to play the game. The game is also doing things, and it's not so much playing the game. It's just like being on the up and up, so you could get those Yelp reviews, so mm-hmm. you could get that you know those good reviews and shit like that. Because mm-hmm. you know you know there's people that they 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 they're reviewers and they pop up to your restaurant anonymously. Mm. You know yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They pop up anonymously and they got like they got real like stake in the game. Mm-hmm. If they tell you that your restaurant bad, you gonna lose a lot of service. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that. But, Did you? Uh, this is like a lucky tendon. Did you see uh, Diddy's letter to? Uh, I think it was like Chase Bank or something like that. Nah, I see it. Uh, I got I would have to look up to see exactly what business he was. Wrote, it like so. a bunch of ad libs or something. 
<laughs> take that, take that. Let's take go. That. <laughs> nah, it was uh, <laughs> basically he pinned a letter to uh, one of these business and he, it, it was kind of, it was very profound, um, his statement. Basically it was saying, um, it's not just enough to like, basically you're saying like black people have um, a lot of buying power and, and this kind of stuff. He's uh-huh. like, you, basically saying like you businesses aren't doing enough. He's like, you mm. know, during COVID you guys gave, you know, oh, a few, yeah, money, like a little bit of money out, a little bit of change, but he's saying like, you guys know your power and you know, um, you know, you have the ability to affect, to affect change. So like do it kind of like almost like forcing the hand of these kind of businesses. Mm. Um, but I, I say that to say like, um, a lot of people kind of gave him a lot of backlash because um, people were like, yo, did you not the person to really say this? Because right. you gave a lot of bad record deals out and some Ooh. people signed a lot of bad record deals. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> There's not really a conversation there, but it was just, uh, yeah, I was just wondering was, if you've seen it. <clears throat> yeah, got a point there, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Diddy, you need to make good on those fucked up deals you had going first. <laughs> You know, start giving people their masters back before you become this humanitarian. Yeah. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of times behind behind a great wealth is a lot of bloodshed. Yeah. You know, the Kennedy Somebody's getting exploited. Yeah, the Kennedy. Yep, yeah, somebody's behind. Yeah, somebody's getting exploited. Mm-hmm. You know, Nike would be like, you know, hashtag stop Asian hate or Black Lives Matter, but you don't care about them child slaves making them yeah. fucking soccer balls, do you? Somebody in Vietnam just yeah. st- sewing shoes together. Yeah, fucking Samsung comes out, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter or stop Asian hate or love everyone or whatever, mm-hmm. but y'all literally got child slaves making y'all phones. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I always tell a story like, and I, I never seen a sweatshop per se, but one time uh, they sweating in there. I heard, yeah, for sure. Um, one time I seen, so I was working on "So You Think You Can Dance," and um, the show is on the CBS, the CBS lot, and um, it's a dance show, obviously. And they have like you know every week the the there was uh, kids on the show, there was kids, and then there was like these coaches or these all stars, and they had like duos. Or, or like uh, duet dances um, every week. So mm-hmm. there was like a, a older person, and then they had like a like almost like an understudy with them. <clears throat> so each week they would have like different uh, choreographers come through, and then they had like different categories of styles of dance, and then they would also have costumes to go along with mm. um, each dance and the dancers. So, um, but there was like you know there was a whole wardrobe um, section that you know that that was down there and they uh-huh. took care of like you know clothing the people and you know they would buy um i actually got some like shoes there one day like because they just was throwing stuff out but you know they buy shoes and clothes and just uh i think i did end up getting some chucks <laughs> it wasn't these ones though it, i got these from a uh from a homeless guy <laughs> hey come back here hey come back here with my shoes <laughs> but uh so yeah so some of the stuff they would buy but also they would um they would put together some stuff. So they might buy a shirt and they might, you know, sew something on it, or they might buy um, like a, a, a jacket and they might sew some, some type of different material on it and stuff like that. But one day I had to go downstairs and this is where all the, um, the people that were handling the wardrobe was, I had to go downstairs and I had to ask the, the people that were sewing what they wanted to eat for lunch. Cause we were ordering out. 
Right. And I went down there and it was the craziest thing. Like it was a bunch of stuff everywhere. It was like clothes and all kind of hangers and all kind of stuff just kind of stacked in the hall. And it was kind of, you had to wiggle your way through, through all of that. And then you go past one door and then this is like the, the actual designers and stuff and the assistants. And right. then you go past another door and it was just kind of like a closet or something. And then you go all the way in the back and then there was three ladies in there just sewing. And it was Whoa. just a, like a room just like stacked. It kind of looked like the office. It was probably like half this office. Wow. And it was just in there like everybody had their own desk and it was just in there sewing stuff. Whoa. And I was like, yo, this looked like a legit sweatshop. And I was just yeah. like, yeah. And it was ladies with thick accents and stuff like that. Like, you know, so I was just like, damn. Did they have handcuffs on or something? No, <laughs> no, it wasn't no handcuffs. Oh, okay. Yeah, they weren't sweating either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can't have, can't be a sweat sign without the sweat. <laughs> yeah. You imagine if you walk into a place that's considered a sweatshop and it's got AC. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> That <laughs> wasn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> All right, switching gears. Um, the power in saying no. Um, I think we've we've mentioned something like this uh, before on the podcast, but sometimes it's cool to go back and and dive back into it. I think the power of saying no is a superpower, man. A lot of times we want to, um, you know pacify people or we don't want to make them mad at us or we want to be accepted and this and that but like dog in your heart of hearts you know you don't want to do something you need to fucking say no mm-hmm. saying no and meaning it it should not offend people when you tell someone no they should not be in a position to ever be offended mm-hmm. saying no is like no and they're like well why don't you want to be like well unfortunately i just i don't want to do that mm-hmm. i got a neighbor right I'll give you an example it's a neighbor that asked me to give him a, give his car a jump i had a long day at work right he said hey man if you give me a jump i'll give you five dollars man you know this and that and i said oh man I, i'm just going in the house i literally just it wasn't and it sounds really fucked up i always help people and whatnot i don't mind it but this guy just is just not very valuable and I and I told him no. And I mm-hmm. went in the house and laid down. I just didn't <laughs> have the energy to really want to fuck with him, right? Yeah. And from that day forward, he has not spoken to me one time. God damn. God honest truth. Mm-hmm. It's the neighbor over the fence for me. This motherfucker yeah. never, ever spoke to me one time. When his wife sees me, she turns her head. When his kids see me, they turn their heads. I'm like, really? Over one Man, time job. that I mm-hmm. over one time that I told you no, mm-hmm. motherfucker? <clears throat> really? Yeah. I got your mangina in a bunch just by telling you no. Yeah, I haven't heard that word in a while. Yeah, this motherfucker's got a mangina. <laughs> he, he couldn't take no for an answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think um, I'm right there with you. I think I think what happens, and I think the reason we're having this conversation is because a lot of people feel like this this pressure. I don't know if it's social pressure or what, right. just to say yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's there's so much power in saying no. Like you're gonna save yourself a lot of you know heartache and stress and all all these different things by just saying no. Um, and a lot of psychologists feel like we should say no more often. You know, there's like some studies out there that you know psychologists have done, and they were saying like you know like kind of hint like uh, going along this with the same conversation we had. Um, and like just the other day, right? So. Um, I help someone with the podcast and I, you know, I shoot it and record the audio and stuff for, for somebody. 
and um, my uncle's funeral was on Tuesday and we were supposed to go um, to record some interviews on Thursday. And when Wednesday came around, I was just out of it. Like I didn't really feel like doing anything and I wasn't too excited about going to film these interviews. So I, I just had to let him know, like, yo, I, I can't make it out there. And I and I felt so much better after like saying no to to go into that thing, because I already know for myself how I would have felt if I did end up going on that trip, especially you know, it's a, it's a grieving period. You know what I mean? And during grieving periods, I think the best thing you can do for yourself is just do stuff that you genuinely like you just genuinely love and genuinely get excited about. Like um, in one of the in that for me is podcasting or just kind of working on my my own things um, and doing stuff for other people is not the most exciting thing for myself. Right. So I know for me, it wouldn't have even put me in the greatest mental space. So in order to prevent, you know, all those, you know, just feeling frustrated or annoyed at certain little things. I just say, yo, like we got to, I can't, I can't make it out there. We're going to have to do it on another day. And I felt so, and like even coming into the podcast, I think just saying no to that just kind of set up my entire week yeah. to just, just, to just flow better. But I feel like a lot of times people out there, um, because they feel pressured into saying yes to certain things, a lot of people put themselves into positions that they don't actually want to be in, whether it's just going out with your friends or like, even, even for me, like I haven't, I haven't, uh, one of the things that it doesn't make me feel good at all. And, right. you know, it's just due to my, you know, um, just the, the, uh, relationship I have with alcohol and people drinking and stuff like that, right. along with just being annoyed by a bunch of people drinking. I, I haven't been to a club in years. Right. And every time someone asks me the same, I give them the same answer. Yeah. It hasn't changed. It doesn't matter if it's my girl. It doesn't matter if it's my friends. Like, hey, yo, you should come out to the. No, I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't. I'd rather right. go home. My girl says the same thing. We should do this before. I'm like, nope, I'm good. I'm not going to no club. Yeah. So, um, but what, like you said, I, like I said, what happens a lot of times is people be like, yo, man, I don't even want to go out. But they asking me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, what the hell? You hear that? That sounds like a fart, low key. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's one of them slow farts that creep out your ass. <laughs> it's like it was struggling. <laughs> Whenever I eat pastrami sandwiches, that's exactly how my farts are every time. <laughs> you got farts based on the food you eat. Oh that's man, the pastrami farts is the worst. <laughs> Fucking pastrami and beer, worst combo ever. You might blow the back of your pants off. <laughs> you got a weapon of mass destruction in your pants. <laughs> oh man, yeah, but yeah, that was a good point you made though, man. Like you, you're you're putting yourself. Sometimes if you if you know you're gonna put yourself outside of your element or where where you really want to be and if you really want to do stuff. And you say yes to that. <clears throat> you say yes to that shit. Now it's too late. Mm -hmm. Now you're just upset, mad, or you feel frustrated when you could have just been at home or doing whatever you're doing. Um, like people saying, "Oh, I didn't want to go out, but they they um, they made me go out or whatever." What I tell people when they ask me, hey, "I'm calling you now. You think you could do this?" I'll be like, "Honestly, I wouldn't count on it." 
Yeah. Straight up. Like, I mm-hmm. wouldn't count on it, man. Mm-hmm. I'm busy. I might be tired, and I don't think I could do it. Oh, oh, okay. They don't be ready for that. Pe- a, people have yeah. expectations when they ask you things like you're they supposed to say, say yes. yes. Yeah. No, motherfucker. I will tell you no right now. And then when you, if you have the nerve to ask me again, I'll tell you no again. I don't give a fuck. And the fact that you asked me twice, now it's really a no now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 my, uh, my brother was talking to my cousin. You sound like a sheep there for a second. <laughs> so I'm Nah, um, my brother was talking to my cousin uh, the other day. It was a couple weeks ago. It was actually at the at the funeral, and he was. Um, my brother has a lot of ideas, so he was telling me, "He's like, yo, I got this idea that I want to do." And my and my cousin is the one that kind of got me connected with the the job where uh, I saw you think you could dance, where I seen the um, the sweatshop and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey was in there with him. I'm Steve Harvey, and this is my sweatshop. Survey said. (laughs) (laughs) Survey said. Sweatshop. Child slaves for 300. Child slaves for 300, please. Welcome to Family Views. (laughs) Nah, but... uh... And so my cousin, he worked in, he worked on uh, different productions. He worked on American Idol. He worked, um, uh, he worked on the Golden Globe Awards once, I believe, and, and just a bunch of like he has a he has a pretty extensive resume um, as far as working in in LA and in Hollywood and stuff. So, um, but every and everyone knows that in our family, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and the same thing happens to me to a certain extent. But my brother was telling him he was like, "Hey." Um, I got this idea, like I want to do the show and this this kind of thing. And then my cousin, my cousin's like, honestly, like I, I just I, I I'm not going to do it. And he and then my brother's like trying to remix the the presentation and tell it to him. And he was like, it's just it's just not going to work. And I I wish I had the opportunity to prep prep my brother and tell him because like I have a better relationship with him. Right. But um, that's like that's the way he is, and I admire him for that right. because he can tell people he like. Bro, I just I'm not even in that anymore. Like I right. don't. He doesn't work in um, L.A. anymore. Like he does something totally different. But he also, like I said, he has a power to say. He doesn't even string people along. Like I asked him myself, like, "Hey, can you help me produce my movie?" He's like, "Nah, like you, I'm gonna charge you too much. It's not gonna be this, this, and that." And right. he's like, "You'd be better served to use that money somewhere else." Yeah. And I was just like, "Well, <laughs> it's like, like it's so effortless." Like he, I think the way you explain it, he's just so effortless with it. Like he yeah. just do it, like and tell you, no, unfortunately, I, nah, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, and it's like you're not even, you're not even offended with the way he does it because that's who he really is. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. it I don't like to leave. They're like, just come with me to do this. Come on, let's go do that. I'll be like, nah, I'm good. They'd be mm-hmm. like, come on, this women be doing this a lot too. They need to watch out. Ladies, that's how you get your feelings hurt. Ladies, stop doing this to your man, babe. Come on, do this and this on. You be like, ah, oh, no, I'm not really feeling that. Oh, come on, this is and be like, look, babe, I'm not cool. Wow, you're really gonna say no? And it's like, stop doing that to us. Yeah, stop trying to fucking tell us like you trying to tell us to do something, and then when we don't want to do it, we told you four fucking times. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you and never want to do anything with me. It is like I've done a million things with you. <laughs> I've done a million. Shut up and get out of here. <laughs> I'd have been all at your friend's house yeah. having a 
eating chips and dip with people I don't like. <laughs> you gonna t- tell me I ain't done that? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you got a nigga out here eating hum- eating hummus. <laughs> oh, niggas uh, out here with a charcuterie board. <laughs> Oh, that's man. a part. Of, that's just a part of being a man, bro. Like you gonna be in all kind of situations because your wife, girl, whoever yeah. got you in there. But when you when you say no, bro, ladies, you gotta start respecting that shit. You got a nigga out here wine tasting with people with bad mental health out here. <laughs> <laughs> they gonna take that bottle of wine and just break it over their head. Oh, oh, my <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great. He said wine tasting with people with bad mental <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. That's crazy. That's hilarious, bro. <laughs> I know if some husbands listen to this shit or some boyfriends is fucking dying because your girlfriend's got you places that you don't want to be and you can't say no. Yeah. You better start learning how to say that shit. Yeah, you couldn't. Hey, I guarantee you, you can't tell your wife to be like, "Hey, babe, can you come with me to uh to O'Reilly's to get some parts for my truck?" Yeah, it's like, why would you want me to do that? <laughs> Just start doing that reverse psychology on them, start fucking them up. <laughs> it's like, hey, babe, you want to come down to uh. Just some really like manly shit. You gotta, cause, cause what happens too is some girls just like to go along for the ride just to be with their man, but mm-hmm. you gotta find the most, the most <laughs> Un- hyper masculine, <laughs> sweaty balls event. <laughs> Can you come down with me to the wrecking yard? <laughs> Can you come down to me with to Jim to Jim's towing? <laughs> Uh, uh yeah, bro. you gotta find that, find that spot. Oh uh, <clears throat> man, find the most manly fucked up shit and bring <laughs> bring your girl. I'm like, why would you even bring me here? And then just just lay it in, just keep doing it on purpose. And then when she asks later on for some bullshit, be like, remember that time we went over? Remember the time we went to uh, uh Floyd's? <laughs> Floyd's. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, remember we went to the tool department over there. <laughs> She's like, what do you, what? Oh, okay. Oh, that's why you did it? Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, this, yeah, the power of saying no is very powerful. Yeah. You know, start to, uh, I'll say, start adopting that as soon as possible. Yeah. You're going to feel so much better. I probably, I, f- I feel like, honestly, like, I think a lot of people probably listen to the things that we say. And I, I would hope that people actually utilize them in their life. But, yeah. I, like, when I say, Certain things is gonna make you feel better. Like I'm speaking from the heart. I'm oh, speaking from experience. Likewise. <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah. The the saying no. Like I've I've gotten a call while I was at work. They're like, when are you getting off? I'm like, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I'm a truck driver. My day could be long <laughs> or short. I don't fucking know when I'm getting off. So can you help me? I don't know if I can help you. I mm-hmm. the answer is probably no. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, oh wow, really? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and the answer will probably still be no because I might be tired and I won't do it. Mm-hmm. So now I like I've I've laid like you now I've out of all of your options I'm the last one. I have a story. Mm-hmm. I forgot about this actually. Mm-hmm. So we um, and this is like I'm still actually working through saying no. So I'm I'm not speaking to you guys mm-hmm. as like a person that got it fully figured out yet. Mm-hmm. Some stuff I'll be saying yes to that I probably should say no to. But. We were shooting this music video. I think I told the story before. Mm-hmm. But we were shooting this music video. Um, it was a group of us out there. It was like uh, 
uh, Blue Pair, he was out there. My boy CAC Visuals, he was out there. And, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> a couple uh, couple actors and, and rappers and stuff like that. I think Joe Maynard even popped up. Shout out to Joe Maynard. Okay. Uh, Shout out to him. Excuse me. Keep burping. Um, but uh, so we, we, we stand in there. We got lights. We got um, cameras and action. Oh, my gosh. Uh, tripod. All, you know, just we look like a production team. You know what I mean? So. Um, we just stand there chopping it up. I think we was waiting on, we might have been waiting on the actor or the rapper to get there or whatever. And this is in Bakersfield, mind you. Um, so uh, we, we we all standing there. Some dude walk up and it's hot outside too. It's oh, like yeah, the middle this. of the summer. Yeah, some dude walk up and he like, he like, um, he like, hey, what y'all got going on? We like, oh, we, what happens too is pe- people don't want to say no. So they'll try to like kick it to somebody else. So if somebody be like, "Hey, what y'all got going on here?" It'll be it'll be people that's actually real important people in the actual production. They don't say anything, and they'll just kind of like you know they might lean it toward to me, or they might you know I might do the same to somebody else. But it kind of like for whatever reason, people kind of like didn't say anything, and I was just left to talk. So I was like, "Oh, we just shooting a music video." He's like, oh, "Okay, that's cool, that's cool." He was like, "Oh, what, your, what kind of music?" Like, "Oh, it's just a hip hop music video we got going on here." He's like, oh, "Okay, cool, cool, cool." Hey, would you uh? I've been trying to get into photography. Do, do, would you uh, be willing to teach me how to, to to shoot pictures and stuff like that? I was like, honestly, dog, like, I just, I can't do it. And he was like, oh, okay. He was like, you sure? Like, you know, it wouldn't take up too much of your time. I was like, man, I I just don't have enough time. How the fuck are you going to tell me my, my, my time? <laughs> I'm just a bit, I'm See? like, yo, I'm just a busy person. And then at the end of it, he was like, <laughs> he was like, Hey, I work with people at the NAACP. Would that change your mind? And I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nigga, fuck you in it. <laughs> nah. I'm like, how is <laughs> that? Was your ace in that was your ace in the hole, the NAACP? <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, I got love for the NAACP, but you could get the fuck <laughs> on. <laughs> and he just walked off and I just yeah. felt, I felt amazing after How the that. fuck are you going to walk up, ask me for help, <laughs> and then I tell you I can't do it and then you try to try to persuade me that I work with people the NAACP like that's supposed to That's weird. When you look folks, when you want something genuinely in life, you gravitate to it and you find out more information. And the questions that you ask people are in alignment with how serious you are if you want a motherfucker off the street to teach you how to do photography you don't even know my credentials Mm -hmm. you just see me out with the camera and you think that i'm just this hot shot why would you even rely on me that 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 tells me that you Mm -hmm. don't know shit Mm -hmm. i ain't seen no work i could be terrible yeah he could be terrible you asking keith and he probably ain't no good and Mm -hmm. it's just people are dumb and it's just if you're not serious it's almost like somebody like yo like how do i start a podcast like, dude, you yeah. know, YouTube is oversaturated with how to start a podcast. Yeah. If you really wanted it, you would do it. And I've I've had so many people ask me. I have no problems. I'm gonna give you all the game. Every every piece of equipment we use, mm-hmm. every mic, every fucking interface, yeah. whether it's editing software, whatever you need, we will do it. Mm-hmm. But the seriousness lies on you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, yeah, man. There's mm-hmm. that. Um, just say no. Yeah, just say no to drugs and to uh, to people who try to get you to do shit that you don't want to do. If you don't know how to say no, you will end up with a mouthful of hummus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you will end up at a motherfucking uh, uh, what do you call that? You will end up at some really like girly, or yeah. you will end up at a motherfucking baby shower with a mouthful of hummus if you don't know how to say no. Yeah, I, I honestly think in my relationship, my romantic relationship, I think saying no has uh, <clears throat> has helped me greatly with uh, my mental health as far as my relationship goes. So it's good, but I think it, it. I think just for anyone, it creates boundaries because mm-hmm. I think that. Now what happens if you're married, you're in a relationship, your partner now knows like, yo, before I ask him this, um, is this something he would really want to do? You know, but there's certain times where you do got to do shit that you don't want to do. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. too. You do got to just pull up to certain. Yeah, because if if she going to a certain event or whatnot and everybody is couples there, I can't have you there on your own. Like, I got to go there with my lady. Third wheel out here. Yeah, I got to go there with you got to go there with, you know, with your lady if that's Mm. the case. But Mm. I mean, if it's some just some trivial stuff like (laughs) you don't need me there by all means, because you don't want to end up being the dude that's around a bunch of women. Mm hmm. That's let let women hang out with women and just enjoy themselves because they're gonna yeah. be talking about shit that you don't want to fucking hear. Yeah, like oh my god, and I don't want to go on another date with him. I thought I liked him, but I don't like him anymore. I'm like, oh my god. The worst is when you get included in some of those conversations. So what do you think about it? <laughs> like if y'all don't leave me the fuck alone, <laughs> I'm just trying to scroll through Instagram. Stop talking to yeah, me. Yeah, leave me alone, man. You see me looking down at my phone. <laughs> Eddie's a guy. What is it? Hey, Eddie, what do you think about it? I'm like, I think personally, I think all of y'all stupid, <laughs> but I can't tell you that. In <laughs> <laughs> a party with 40 people just scrolling to his phone. Imagine if you would really tell like your wife's friends or your girl's friends or whoever, if you really could tell them the truth. Man. Nigga, that would be off the wall. Yeah. It'd be like, honestly, I don't like none of y'all. I think, <laughs> I think y'all a bad influence on my life and my wife's my wife's life. <laughs> y'all ain't no good. <laughs> if I would have it if I would have it my way, she wouldn't hang out with none of y'all hoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm tired of y'all coming over here eating all the food in the refrigerator. <laughs> Oh man! God, all right, man. All right, switching gears. Um, this is the last one. We'll wrap this one up soon. Where we at, man? Uh, it's about to be two hours. Oh yeah, we giving we gave the people. You definitely made the three year anniversary a memorable one. Yeah, it's good stuff. Two hours of content, baby. Let's keep rolling. (laughs) All right, uh, Amazon opened its first grocery stores on the East Coast. Why is this important? It's important because it's Jeff Bezos, man. Jeff Bezos. Uh, can do all things through Christ. This nigga's crazy. <laughs> no, Christ can do all things through Jeff Bezos. Nigga, nigga Jesus praying him Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Amazon, the new God. <laughs> man, that's crazy, man. Oh, man. That'd be crazy. Jesus got Amazon Prime. <laughs> Uh, uh, Jesus was delivered through Amazon Prime oh. <laughs> on Easter. <laughs> yeah, two day shipping. And on the third day, no, never mind. The third day it came in two days shipping. <laughs> two day, two day air. Oh, that's crazy, oh, folks. It's a joke, man. <laughs> you gotta understand when we're putting a like a satirical spin on things here at this man, podcast. Man, you gotta laugh, man. Gotta laugh, man. Gotta laugh. Uh, Amazon opened its first grocery stores on the East Coast. 
And Amazon has opened its first grocery stores on the East Coast. The company confirmed Thursday in its latest sign of its efforts to upend traditional supermarkets. The company plans to open two grocery stores in Washington, D.C. area. One will be the largest city, Logan Circle neighborhood, and the other will be in modern uh, Northern Virginia town of Franconia, uh, not far from Amazon's second headquarters. Um, <clears throat> two other grocery stores are planned to plan for the Philadelphia suburb of Warrington, Pennsylvania, and the and for Chevy Chase, Maryland. Uh, Amazon confirmed Thursday. Uh, the company declined to comment on the whether whether the four stores will be fresh stores or will or when the locations will open. We're thrilled to bring two Amazon grocery stores to the Washington D.C. and Northern Virginia area, creating hundreds of new job opportunities for residents living in the region. And Amazon spokesperson said in the statement, "We can also confirm that we're hiring for zone leads for an Amazon grocery store in Warrington, PA, and Chevy Chase, uh, MD area." <clears throat> Here's the deal: they call them fresh stores, right? And I guess the concept behind these stores is you scan your card when you walk in, and you put the groceries in your cart, and then you just check out. That's the concept, right? It ain't. It's not really a checkout process. So I think it, it's a like a mobile app that you use. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you just scan it as you walk in. It's like a, a, I don't know what that thing is called. Like a little arm that allows you to go in. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So you yeah. scan that. The arm will open. It'll allow you in. Kind of how they got like at Walmart and stuff. Now. Yeah, they got it now. Yeah. <clears throat> You walk in, you put the stuff in your basket mm-hmm. and just, I don't even think you actually scan the stuff. I just think when it's on your person, as mm-hmm. soon as you, um, you know, you put the stuff in your, uh, your bag or whatever. And as mm-hmm. you leave the store, it just automatically deducts all that from your card. Wow. Yeah. That's my take from it. I might be wrong, but that's what I interpreted from the video that I had seen. <clears throat> that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think that you had also seen that uh, a, one of the like a woman put like they were taking jobs or what she said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the, it was funny because I was the, the reason I seen this was on Twitter. But this girl, um, I don't know if I have it up, but basically she said um, she was like, let me just find it so I could read it verbatim. So I don't want to misquote anybody. <clears throat> Let me see. Yes. Okay, here we go. Internet, I always be going slow when you need to pull something up. Yeah, all right. I don't even fuck with Twitter. Somebody posted some some bullshit. They said breaking breaking just in. Jay Z has just purchased the entire continent of Europe. Niggas be saying anything. Oh my God. <laughs> So, yeah, so basically this video was circulating. It actually circulated on TikTok. And um, and the guy posted it. He was like, yo, this is, is, this is definitely an interesting concept. And then, um, so his tweet, um, his video, the TikTok kind of went, you know, I guess mini viral. And then one person responded and it kind of had, had a lot of traction as well. The girl said, all I can think about is how many people would lose their job because of tech like this. And then I responded. Um, I was like, I just told uh, her, I was like, you got to keep evolving as a person and as a business or you'll end up like Blockbuster. <clears throat> so my take on the situation was that um, why um, are we getting mad at something that actually benefits us as uh, a society? You know what I mean? Obviously, people are going to lose jobs. People have been losing jobs since the Genesis. You know what I mean? That was probably somebody that was... Um, 
like we, me and Eddie had this conversation about um, like just phones, you know, how they used right. to use Morse code and they went to, you know, t- uh, telephones. And there used to be somebody where you had to call call an operator in order to communicate with somebody else. And they right. would, you know, connect you to the person that's across town or whatever. Right. And then from there, you got, you know, just regular house phones and then you got uh you got the wireless phones at the house and then the your cell phones come about and then you got smartphones and now it's just everything everything is just it just constantly keeps evolving um so if if we understand that everything is evolving there's you know electric cars now cars <coughs> these cars where you don't even have to go to the gas station anymore right <clears throat> so if we understand how progress works and you know how how beneficial we are to live in this current time like sometimes i wake up and i'm just like yo man i'm genuinely blessed and thankful that i live um, and i'm young and it's 2021 you know what i mean Facts. like i can still utilize technology and i can <laughs> still um like we wouldn't have a podcast if technology wasn't um, in a space where it is now exactly. because if we wanted to record some type of audio we would have had to go to a studio studio time was probably like two hundred dollars an hour yeah, or something crazy like that and we it just it just wouldn't be feasible right so i think we have to stop we have to stop looking at um we have to stop looking at uh, progress in technology as a negative and we also have to learn to adapt if you think that your job is going to be taken away by a computer or some sort of technology, maybe you should shift your career. Right. Maybe exactly. you should, you know, you could probably start your own business or you can learn to be one thing that's not going to go away. And that's only going to get more and more popular is computer programming and coding and stuff like exactly. that. Um, and that's what all these things using. So they're moving, <coughs> they're moving the jobs outside of the store where you're, you know, you're using customer service and all this stuff. But behind the scenes, they're hiring, they're probably hiring um, computer programmers and scientists and stuff hand over fist because that's all, that's all um, this is about. That's what this tech, the SoundCloud exactly. technology, Spotify, that's all, that's where all the jobs are moving. So, um, yeah. Yeah. We have the power to literally put our voices on uh, and put them out ourselves like this. Th- literally, our content reaches the whole world mm-hmm. Like we have the power to do that. If you go back in the 90s, fuck no, you didn't have the power. to. Do- you had to go outside and stand outside a freaking uh, a big radio station and hope that they seen you and then get your demo tape to this person. They listened and they would play it. And mm-hmm. It was just so many politics. Mm-hmm. But just besides that. If like throughout just American history, history in general, you either evolve or you get left behind, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. If you worked at a coal mine your whole life. Right. And then the coal mine gets shut down. You literally have no skills that apply to anything else in the world besides coal mining. And coal mining is not even really even exist in America anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like, dude, you have to learn how to evolve. Like you have no choice. Mm-hmm. And if you look at like technology, like you mentioned, you know, well, there's Morse code and then from Morse code, it went to like rotary phones and then rotary phones went to the phone that was flat the without the rotary, pad. the mm-hmm. dial pad. Then from the dial pad, it went to the cell phone and then from the cell phone, it went to the smartphone. Yeah. So now touch screen. we don't even have buttons on our phones anymore. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of us have buttons. I low key miss. I really miss the full keyboard. Feature. Yeah. I miss that so much. Mm-hmm. That like it just makes texting so much easier. I really wish yeah. a company would come out with one of those phones. I was against it for a long time. 
Yeah. Just having just a touchscreen phone. I yeah, was like, I how like could that. you do that? Right. You just gotta, you know, you just gotta adapt, I yeah, guess. Yeah, the buttons the buttons was always good because if the screen fucked up, you could always use the buttons. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, I had a Samsung, it was called uh Samsung Captivate. That's probably the best phone I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And it had a nice size screen on it. And it slid up, pop! It like yeah. it, it slid straight up. I don't know if you remember when I had that phone. Mm-hmm. That phone had a. I was, remember. I remember you got it. I, I might have went to the store with you to get it or something crazy. I don't like know, that. but it's mm-hmm. when I had AT and T. Yeah, and I remember back that. then it had a five megapixel camera, mm-hmm. and that was the shit back then. Yeah, nobody had five megapixels back then. Yeah, yeah. I remember I had the uh, like HTC yes, G two or something like with, yeah. the, key, with the keyboard. That was a cool phone too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was think dope. It, it was it was pretty heavy too. It mm-hmm. was a heavy duty phone. It was a it was like a smart smartphone. I used to be excited about I, I used to be excited about phones. I just went like yeah. I got an iPhone recently, um, and I went into the store he and did I a was backflip. huh? He did a black a backflip once he got his new phone. Oh, <laughs> nah, but I went in there and I was, <laughs> I remember I used to be excited about like, you know, maybe like 18, 19, 20 years old mm-hmm. going into the, the, the like T-Mobile and stuff True. and getting a new phone. Cause yeah. it was just different. It was just a variety the of phones different phones everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just a whole experience. And then I went in there, um, this past week and I walked in there and I knew what I wanted to get already. So right. it wasn't, I wasn't going for the experience, but it's only maybe four actual phone brands in there. Yeah. It's, it's Apple, of course. Apple, it's Samsung. Samsung. They had uh I don't I don't even think they had the Google phones in there. They probably did have the Google phones because those are you know pretty popular. Right. And then it was like a uh like a one one touch or something yeah. it was only like four brands in there and yeah. I was like yo this is so sad. Like you know it, it used to be a thing or you used to be like used to be able to like, you know, have uh, you know, an experience just touching different yeah. phones. Like, yo, this is cool. I like this one, and right. you really had to make a decision. Now they make the decision for I, you. I have a question: Do they even have the option of a non-smartphone now? I didn't. I mean, you might get some at Walmart. I don't even know if they have non-smartphones in these stores. Like the track, you might get and, some track, like the track. Well, I mean, maybe I mean at Walmart. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about if you wanted to go to T-Mobile <clears> and get a flip phone, could you do it? Probably online. I don't Probably know. If you could, I don't know if you could get in. But the why store. would you? If if you want a flip phone, chances are you're not going online because you know you're not like with the times. That's true. Yeah, That's very true. Yeah. I imagine though, but I, I think some people don't want the access. Mm, like they right. may feel like a smartphone. I mean, a, like the regular flip phone is you know it's less accessible. Like you don't have you're not getting tracked by Facebook and all this kind of stuff. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, bro. Like to be honest, I think that we've made it to a time now where you have to evolve. If you wanted a, if you wanted a flip phone, then I think you're gonna miss out on a lot of shit. Yeah, honestly, you're gonna miss out on a lot of shit because you're not connected at all. People say, you know, you know what? I don't need a smartphone. Motherfuckers will be on a smartphone saying, like, I don't need a smartphone. Uh-huh. Um, you just use one to post on Facebook. Yeah, there'll be motherfuckers mm. talking about how anti-social they are on a social network. <laughs> the, <laughs> like, the, the, the world is gonna make you evolve, Max. whether you want to or not. There's a lot of people, like even in like the music industry, right? You think about um, people were against uh, Napster when it first right, came around, it was like, right. or they're devaluing music. It's right. not even a physical commodity. Now they got Spotify. You got to, you have to, <laughs> the world is going to make you evolve. Um, right. You know, and like we, I said just a few minutes ago, I didn't want to touch screen phone, 
but there aren't any phones out there that I can think of that have a actual pad on there. So you gotta, you know, you need, you need a touchscreen phone. So yeah, man, that's a trip, dude. I think about, you know, my phones that I've had and it's like, damn, we came such a long and, and it was this excitement. It was like this, like this blockbuster vibe, like this Mm -hmm. blockbuster video vibe. Like Mm -hmm. when you go in, to blockbuster, I remember the smells and mm-hmm. the way it smelled, and like you could get popcorn and candy there, and you walking down the aisles, and your parents let you pick out a movie, and mm-hmm. like it's like that feeling of nostalgia was great, but it can't hold up anymore. Yeah, because you know I, I thought about it last night. I was watching some movies, and like I've got I got HBO Max, I got Hulu, I got Prime Video, and I got Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like I got all those things. Mm-hmm. What can Blockbuster ever do for me? And that's that's the point I'm making. I feel like for 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 anybody um, out there that wants to be any sort of creator, whether you're you're a painter or you're um, you make music or you're a poet or an author or whatever type of creative content you make, you always should look forward. Yes. So many years. Like if you're a musician and you um, if if you're not paying attention to where the industry is going, like the industry right now is going to, you know, independent artists. I've And there's also like this NFT thing that's floating around where people are, you know, selling these digital. Um, I don't even know what it's called. Or, I mean, I, I know what it's called, but I don't even know how to explain it uh, right. greatly. But <coughs> NFTs, if you're not paying attention to that and seeing what's going on, if you're not paying attention to, you know, how you can get on playlists and, you know, playing the game as far as tick, like even TikTok. If you're yeah. a musician and you're not utilizing TikTok, right. tick, it's, it's cheap attention. You like, can blow, you can literally your music career can explode from TikTok or Instagram. They were talking about. I think Steve Stout was talking about that. It's eat, bro. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not like, I'm just playing the game. Like, I'm just learning the game right now, right. and I'm starting to like gear up to really do it. But I just posted um, the Loki. I guess like a behind the scenes of uh, my guy, Mister Lucky. He was playing the talk box on on okay. the song that I had. It got um, it got like twenty two hundred views in a few days. You know what I mean? So it's just it's cheap attention. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that are still like, yo, I'm going to just I'm going to do the regular. I'm going to work on an album. I'm going to do a rollout. Yeah, you, you know, I'm going to promote it like this. It's like, yo, you you missing out on all the. And what happens, too, is that a lot of this stuff is actually in line with what you're already doing. You just have to put the content out. Mm-hmm. So it's like imagine like we're artists. Right. If we uh, recorded our pre uh, podcast conversation, we'd be mm-hmm. like, yo you know this is what we should do we should talk about this blah 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 and then you post that like in reference to being a musician right that may be talking to your producer or making a beat or something right, like that right, right. you just put that content out it's just cheap content you're doing it already mm-hmm. you just happen to capture it so um i just say like for anybody out there like you got to be forward thinking if you want to stay current yeah that's true because mm-hmm. look at even look at will smith uh-huh Look at the content Will Smith is putting out. Mm-hmm. And you would think, like, why why would Will Smith need to put anything out? Yeah. Will Smith is being, he's trying, he's basically adjusting with the times. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith puts really cool shit on his Instagram. Mm-hmm. Will Smith has utilized his Instagram better than anyone that is his equal, his age group, everything. Mm-hmm. Like, he was literally absent from, people need to realize, a few years ago, 
how long has Will Smith even been on Instagram now? What three three years, two years now? It can be no longer than yeah, two and a half. Like, it might have been like nineteen. Yeah, so yeah. no more than about two years that he's been on Instagram, but or he was he was on no social media, like yeah. none. It was an event when he created an Instagram, right? Exactly. And he got millions of followers, like quick. yeah, quick. Yeah. But it's like he utilized that time. Like, he didn't put out no bullshit content. He was jumping out of planes. Mm -hmm. He was doing all kinds of shit. He just released a video recently where he's like, all right, look, I want you to, when I walk off, I want you to, he says something like, today was a dope day or something. But if you do all those, if you do this every day, you can have a bunch of dope shit or whatever it was. He said, then he told the dude, he said, all right, look, Jazz, when I walk off, I want you to play this music and then put the quote with me walking off. And then he then the dude wrote that up and he put that there and he walked off and I was laughing, but it was really cool content. Mm -hmm. So it just goes to show, man, you evolve with the times and you get you get lost. Yeah. Will Smith, you wouldn't like he's a the one of the biggest actors in the world. Like right. he was a blockbuster go to guy for a few summers in a row. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? And um he's doing social media content now. So mm -hmm. if you think as a person who's not as famous as Will Smith, you can just chill. And not create content and just right. pop up whenever. Like, nah, it's not. It's I'm, I'm going to tell you like this, too. This is another thing. Um, I'm. You should also anticipate for a lot of these platforms to expire. So if you've been the funny person on Instagram or you've been an Instagram model or whatever you've been and you make your income through there, uh, you better not be a one trick pony. Mm -hmm. Because there'll be an Instagram junior or something that's better coming along and people going to be jumping from, from one platform to the next. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing, man. Like, and what's dope is that dude Xavier TV talked about that. He said, "He's like, I'm already knowing. I don't, I don't expect to be big on here forever, man. You know, I'm, I'm, my mind is in another place or whatever." And this mm -hmm. kid is what? These he just turned twenty. He just turned twenty. Uh -huh. So he's he's in it, in it, and he mm -hmm. built a bunch of followers. Let me go to his page. That guy. I remember when he had like. Oh man, I think he had like when I when like I found twenty him, or something. like twenty something thousand. Mm -hmm. Followers when I found him, and now I still funny. It was funny content. Let me go to this page. Here he is. Now he's got two hundred and forty-two thousand followers. Crazy. That's nuts. Yeah, but he puts really cool shit on there. Twenty-year-old kid, man. This guy's smart. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're not gonna hold you. Um, yeah, you got any closing words, Keith? Before we close this out for the three-year anniversary. Um, no, nah, man, I just want, you know, I want everybody to, you know, really tap in with themselves and do some meditation and uh, just learn about themselves. I think that's, uh, you know, one of the most important things I want to want to get out to all the people out there. And uh, also just be persistent. You know, you never know what can happen if you just spend a little bit of time every day striving towards something. So 100 percent, man. Take it a day at a time. If you love something, be consistent mm -hmm. and show your interest or love for something through actions and not words, because everybody talks, but very few people follow through. So yep. if you made it to the end of this podcast, thank you for listening. Oh, see, I done fucked it up already. If you made it to the end of this podcast, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fings. Right here. Peace.